will give me the box right now, or I will kill you right now. No. Just give me the box, Marty. I thought you couldn't kill your friend, Cos. I missed on purpose. Now give me the box. Take the goddamn thing. I don't want it. You win, I lose. That's what you want, isn't it? Say it. Say it. Yes! I'm sorry, Cos. Could have shared this with you. I know. Could have had the power. I don't want it. Don't you know the places we can go with this? Yeah, I do. There's nobody there. Exactly. The world isn't run by weapons anymore, or energy, or money. It's run by little ones and zeros, little bits of data. It's all just electrons. I don't care. I don't expect other people to understand this, but I do expect you to understand this. We started this journey together. It wasn't a journey, Cos. It was a prank. There's a war out there, old friend. A world war. And it's not about who's got the most bullets. It's about who controls the information. What we see and hear, how we work, what we think. It's all about the information. minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of January. In the year of our Lord, 2009, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the lushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 to talk of this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Thank you for joining us today. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us, 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, uh, kvitches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, observations, whatever it is you might uh, have that is plaguing your brain today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the uh, interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the absurd, the mundane, the matter. It's 503-733-2970. I see you're back to clutching the urine sample, Richie. Well done. Good for you. That's great. You know, never mind. I am gonna I am gonna make an observation about you in just a moment, but I gotta I gotta not get sidetracked. Because I made an observation to somebody else about you yesterday, and it was one of those things that I hadn't really thought through. I hadn't I hadn't you know sort of in other words I hadn't pre-thought the idea. I just sort of said it as it came out without a filter. But then I realized that there really was something to it. So I'm going to get back to an observation about you. I'm going to do a little uh, pop psychology on you in just a second. Uh, in any event, it's 503-733-2970. It is Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. Coming up later on today, CNN Radio correspondent Bob Castantini uh, joining us from the Hill on the week that George W. Bush says goodbye. Literally and figuratively. The day after tomorrow, he does his farewell speech, which I'm so excited for. I know. You're ridiculously excited. Well, I mean, I know it's going to suck. I know he's not going to like... I know he's not going to say anything or grovel or beg for my forgiveness or plead. You know, I wish he would. I mean, I'd give anything. 
Uh, he's probably not going to, only because I saw that press conference he did yesterday morning. I saw part of it on CNN. God, what a chuckling boob that guy is. He's just... There's just really no, there's really no way to get around it. And I know that it's not like breaking new comedic ground to talk about the president's not that bright. It's not just that he's not that bright. He's a boob. I mean, he's, he's, he's just, he's a barely, I, I, you just expect at a certain point for him to just break down into a pile of gibbering drool. I mean, it's a miracle he can make it out of the front door without injuring himself somehow. And he was doing that thing yesterday, and it was yesterday morning, but then they replayed it last night on CNN, which I watched because I'm a tool. And as he would go on, I think he tries to do this, this common man thing, uh, our president for the next few days. Because of that whole business during the camera, who would you rather have a beer with? And so I think somebody wants to put it in his head. They're like, you got to really get down with the common rabble. And the common rabble are idiots, by the way. That, that's what makes them the common rabble. You know what I mean? So, but he's got this business where he's constantly trying to speak to the unwashed clay of this country. And to do that... He kind of curls down and around the podium the longer he speaks to where it, it, it's sort of like he's a praying mantis that is just mated with the podium and he's trying to cut off its head so he can consume its brain. And you look like about 5, 10, 12 minutes into, into the, the press conference, he's kind of hunched down, one arm leaning on the, on the podium, the other sort of around it, and then he's kind of making these weird hand gestures as though his hands are wet and he's trying to flip the droplets of water off of his fingers. Anyway, it's just the weirdest... There's no way to explain how, how strange it was to see him talk last night. Anyway, uh, so George W. Bush does farewell speech uh, the day after tomorrow. Wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. When's the inauguration? Is it Monday? Okay, so I guess it makes perfect sense. So George Bush says goodbye this Thursday. Uh, and then on Monday we have the inauguration. All right, well, in any event... Uh, so Bob Constantine is going to join us from the Hill today. We'll talk about uh, the inauguration. Uh, we'll talk about this uh, Boris guy who I guess has been seated and it's all good to go. And I guess Barack Obama saying his first, like the first thing he's going to do when he gets in office is like shut down Guantanamo Bay or something, which I assume is just pointless at this juncture anyway. Because don't you just figure, like here's my thing about, about and I'll recycle this observation later on for Bob Constantine, we're all going to pretend that you're hearing it for the first time and that it's just as interesting then. Here's my thing about the shutting down Guantanamo Bay. It doesn't matter for the same reason that I don't think it matters if we ever get to see what's at Area 51. Like, I just sort of take it as read that anything that was interesting at Area 51 has been moved to, like, Area 75 and a half or something, like, years ago. I mean, really, as soon as, what's his name, goddamn Art Bell started talking about it, I figured they just kind of went, uh, okay, we need to move everything out of here. Get a truck. And then they just threw, like, the alien brains in the back of a truck, and they took it down the road, and they stuck it somewhere else. There's nothing there. If you walk into Area 51 now... There probably is just going to be like one of those Brent Spiner-looking scientists and like a rubbery gelatinous thing sitting on a table, and that'll be it. So I sort of assumed that everybody who was having their you know junk slammed in a drawer at Gitmo, it's still happening. It's just happening somewhere else. You're going to go there, it's just going to be empty. It's going to be like in the movie, you know, in every sort of caper film, in fact, like Sneakers, which we started the show with here, eh, where you say like, well, let's go back to the bad guy's lair and see what's up with that. And you go back, and of course, the lair is empty. You know, it's like, no, 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 it was here. You have to believe me. And it's just a vacant lot. You know, and it's like the, the building has just vanished in the night. That's the thing with Guantanamo Bay. Doesn't matter. So there you go. That is the very definition of a cosmetic change. Uh, what else? Uh, Cena Radio correspondent James Roop will join us from Los Angeles today to talk about uh, two things. One of which interests interest me slightly. The other doesn't interest me at all. One is Roman Polanski. Uh, and the, you want to talk about a guy who just ought to be beaten with a hose. Talk about a guy who just ought to. What did Bing Rain say? 
take him there. We'll put the dogs on his ass, and then we'll see what he knows. You want to talk about a guy that ought to be slowly fed to small animals? <laughs> Seriously. Um, I mean, theoretically speaking, I'm saying that as a pundit. It's protected by that. I'm not saying you should actually do that. <clears throat> Anywho, uh, and he'll also be talking about the television show Super Nanny. Let me tell you right now, I don't care about nannies, much less of the super variety, but I'm sure Jim Roop will make it exciting. And what else? What's out to see in a radio correspondent, Steve Kasimov, that I about that Bernie Madoff guy. I don't know really what it takes to get thrown in the clink at this point because I think he's accused of stealing $53 billion. And there's probably guys uh, who like stolen like a plate of buffalo wings somewhere who are probably in jail in the, like in this city. So I guess if the crime becomes big enough, it's sort of like those statue heads on Easter Island where like the crime is like it's the sheer enormity of it. It's like by dint of that, it somehow doesn't exist. So all right, uh, what else? Oh, Stephanie Strickland uh, at KGW. <laughs> responded to me. I say finally. It was actually I finally responded to her. Stephanie Strickland sent me a great email because there was, and she didn't tell me not to read it on the air. And so here's the thing, and you ought to know this by now. If you don't tell me I can't read it, that is the same as telling me you want me to read it on the air. So Stephanie Strickland, KGW, really, you got like five minutes to call if you don't want me to read this. Because a listener had said, and she claims inaccurately, a listener had said that while they were talking about sort of uh, gadgets and electronic devices and sort of, you know, cool stuff that was on sale at like some consumer electronics expo, that Stephanie Strickland at KGW had referred to herself, quote, as a gadget whore, which gets funnier every time I say it. So I got an email from her like 15 seconds after I read that original email. And uh, I responded back to her, and then she responded back to me. So I will read you the whole... Because there's nothing more exciting than hearing somebody read email that they had with somebody else. Uh, that's the way to attend share. So we'll get to, uh, we'll get to that. Uh, let's see. What else? Don Taylor from Film.com is going to be here later on today. Uh, the delightful and vivacious Katie Darrell from TMZ.com will be joining us and uh, so forth. Um, let's see. Uh, Stacey Wilson, former associate editor at Portland Monthly, will be joining us uh, later on in the news hour as we have a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional uh, Tim Riley. That's all on the way. Don't forget, one random on-air caller today will win a four-pack of tickets to see the Portland Pilots play at the Child Center along with Death Race on DVD. So that is, uh, as they say, going out the door today. Uh, and I will finally, at long last... And I meant to do it yesterday, and then I just ran out of time. I will get to the context for this. You're going to love my nuts. We'll get to that. I'll try to get to it in this opening segment, if that's possible. Also, I've got a great Alec Baldwin story, which you don't hear very often. And then... It... Yesterday, we were doing that, the hunt for the worst story in the history of the world. And we probably won't do a second installment, because it would necessitate reading that spider story again, which I just can't take. Oh, or the eyeball story. The eyeball. See, you know, I don't find... Here's the... We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon, resplendent in her, I believe, in Harvey Dent shirt. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing very well. All right. I had a... A power meeting this morning with all of the other people. Yes, you did. Learning how to be a better CBS employee, Sarah. It was very exciting. It's, it's always funny to be in a room with all of those personalities because, like, you're in a room with 20 people, you know, who are all, you know, make their living talking on the radio. And you realize that it's sort of like how they won't let the president and the vice president be on the plane, same plane together because you realize if a bomb were to go off up there, Valkyrie style, there'd be no entertainment sure, for it anyone. It was so strange just looking around. I'm like, oh my gosh, every single one of these people, you know, is on the air. At some and point. Court was there, and Bobby was there, and PK was there, and. I mean, sort of, we were all in uh, all in one room together. All learning so. about EAS tests together. And the Amber Alert. Mm-hmm. Is the Amber Alert named after a girl named Amber? Is that like Megan's Law, Amber Alert? Uh-huh. Was it for some kidnapped girl, Amber? On the clock of us, I think. Is that true? Oh, I don't know. I yeah. thought the Amber Alert was nationwide. 
Or is it? And it was named after a girl from Clackamas. I believe it's, yeah, I think so. That's okay. Awesome. I won't. I won't make light of it. Then I didn't know. I thought maybe it was like a color. You know what I mean? Like a sort of red alert, yellow alert, like a terror alert. There's the green level, the purple level. I thought it was amber, and I thought amber was like a color they had introduced. But then, you know, now that I think about it, that's dumb. Because why would you ever have an alert that's amber? That would be like having an alert that's mauve. This wouldn't be exciting. It doesn't convey the uh, the excitement of the uh, you know the the you know the, the seriousness of the event. Well, it doesn't really matter. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are Hello. you? Hello. How was your evening? Room. It was good. I had fun. Went out with some friends and then uh, rode my bike this morning. Good for you. For and the first time. And you're sure you don't smell of whiskey? I'm sure I wasn't drinking whiskey. Okay, there's something in this Kelsey room. Kelsey and I drink some champagne, but I swear to God that I smell whiskey in the studio. Maybe that's one of those things where I'm about to have a stroke, like you smell almonds or something, yeah, and that means you're gonna have a heart attack. I appreciate the smell of whiskey, and I do not smell any whiskey. Right. Well, maybe I'm just uh, maybe it's whatever's in Richie's bottle. So what is that in the bottle to your left, Richie? Uh, it's crystal light. It's like five calories. Okay, so it's not. So that is the thing you have in here every day, and I don't mean to be gross, but it does look just like a urine sample. It's tea. Sarah, can I? Can you? Let's see. Here, hold it up. Because it's cloudy. Oh, like a really dehydrated. That really dirty one. Like you've had a lot of asparagus. Yeah. Oh, that is so gross. Why are you drinking? Someone that? needs more vitamin D, Richie. Because it has vitamin D in it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it just looks it looks unpleasant. It looks like when you go into the uh, like the like the, the, the you know the, the bathroom at a radio station and there's some DJ that hasn't bothered to flush the toilet in like four years. Yeah. That's kind of what it looks like. It's that sort of consistency. Well, I was I, putting it in uh, Viso bottles, but it didn't give Viso justice. So. All right. Well, in any event. Right. Mm. Um, hey, so I'm going to make this observation about Richie, and then we're going to move on. And I got, we got some other stuff to get through here in the, uh, in the opening, because I don't think I did anything last night. Did I do anything? I came back for the launch of the Phil Henry Show. I came back to make sure that that worked properly. Um, and it did. So uh, if you have not been tuning into Phil Henry, I guess you've really had one day to do it. But Phil Henry has returned uh, at 11 p.m. Monday through Friday, immediately following the Michael Mara Show. So uh, as of last night, ladies and gentlemen, the Phil Henry Show, which sounds fantastic, by the way. Is that the guy that calls himself? Yes. Well, he does the, you know, the characters. And he, have you, know, you ever heard Phil Henry? Yeah, because, you know, I listened to him for like three months when he was at Max. Uh-huh. That's right, yeah. Right. And you actually explained to me because I was mad at him because I was like, I know that's the same guy calling his show. Yeah, it's I Phil Henry. That voice. Yeah, he is his own sort of Frank caller. After three months, you had to explain that he was calling himself. Here's the great so thing brilliant. about Phil Henry. Phil Henry's radio show, uh, again, which airs now uh, Monday through Friday at 11 p.m. right after Michael Mara on this is very bringing back all station. the same characters? Uh, I, I recognize some of the voices. I think he's changed the names and, you know, some of the characters. In other words, I don't think it's the same group of, of characters that he plays. Because I think part of that is, you know, he wanted to sort of reinvent it a little bit for the new show. But the great thing about Phil Hendry, who, again, if you, you know, if, you, you know, if you're kind of like not in on the gag, you know, he does just some straight-ahead talk radio. But for a lot of it, he will sort of take these insane guests on the phone. But the gag is that the guest is also him. And it's all live. It's not pre-recorded. So it's like Phil live in the studio running the show. And then Phil on the phone calling himself as an insane caller. And then occasionally, Phil on another line arguing with the insane caller, who is also Phil, all of it being moderated by the guy who is Phil, all of it live without any trickery or pre-taping. It is unbelievable. And... But you know what it is? It's like one of those paintings where you look and you go, what a great painting of a white candlestick. And then you realize it's not a white candlestick. It's the faces of two kissing people. And then suddenly it's a whole new painting. So that's kind of what Phil Hendry is. It's an entertaining show, and then you kind of figure out the trick, and then you go, oh, and suddenly it's twice as entertaining. So that was my exciting night. I went home and I watched Larry King, and I uh, watched a documentary about the IBM personal computer, and I ate some lamb. And I came back to work, and then I went home. <laughs> Sounds very Because I'm a gripping human being, Sarah. Ooh. I ate some lamb. I came back last night, and I ate some lamb. And also, you know what I ate out of the vending machine last night? I ate a package of... I didn't even know they still made these. Sugar babies? Sugar babies. I can, I can tell oh, from the back. Yeah. I had no... I, it was like a slice out of yesteryear. 
And, you know, they were okay, I suppose. They're, you know, here's the thing. They're essentially a milk dud. They're a milk dud with no chocolate. I mean, but that's really what a sugar dud is. They're harder and sugarier. Don't they have sugar daddies, too? And see, but that, I was exactly thinking about that. Don't sugar babies seem like a retro candy to you? Yeah, sugar daddy was the big one. But it was like, but it was like a... Uh, sugar daddy. Yeah, it was see? a big old... It's made out of the same stuff. Oh, is it like the lollipop? It was, it was on a stick. Yeah. It was like a lollipop. That's made. What, that was my favorite candy. And, see, and, and I, it's chewy, and you, like, you'd have to suck it up for a while, and then it would get like more bendy. It would and break then your teeth. Inevitably, yeah, yeah, and you get stuck. Totally. Inevitably, like you pull a cap off one of your teeth with it. So there was, if I recall correctly, there was a whole family. There was the sugar daddy. And as, of course, as a kid, you know, I didn't recognize the sort of pun there. I didn't know what was going on. But it was, but it, it's made out of like this weird caramely substance on a stick. And it takes like days to eat, especially if you're a kid, because it's just, uh, it's like one of, here's another thing. Did you ever eat that big hunk thing? Well, that's a thing. If you get the wrong chewiness, that'll take your teeth right out of you. I mean, you'll be, that you'll just pull your lower like mandibular joint right out of whack with that sort of a thing. And so then there was the sugar mama or mommy or something. I don't think I've ever heard of sugar mama. It's all very creepy now that I'm saying it out loud. But I think that was a smaller version of the sugar daddy. I'm looking for a sugar mama. And then the and then there were the sugar babies, which I think were children. That's strange now that I think about it. That it was the same candy but marketed in three different sizes. Because the sugar babies were clearly for children who can't, you know, really chew the way that adults can. I don't know if this is an interesting conversation to anybody else, but it's strange to me because it does seem like a very retro candy, and I don't know that they even sell sugar daddies anymore. They do. I bought one. Really? Like a year ago. Where I really wanted one. Uh, like, uh, like a Fred Meyer or something. All right. You know, here's another retro candy for you. Here's a candy that nobody eats. Uh, nobody but my mom has ever eaten this. That candy? Bitto Honey. Love honey. Yeah, but see, but I don't think they sell it anymore. They when's totally the, sell. Where? Where's the when's the I last? I had store? one for yeah, I had one for uh, Halloween this year. Where are you? But, but somebody the gave it to you. Size right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't even know where you buy that anymore. It's like where you. It's like buying. It's like buying a Zagnut or something. I demand to buy an Abba Zaba bar. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't even know where to begin with that sort of a thing. All right. Well, I don't really care. Oh, hey, you know, this isn't really a retro candy because they still make it now. But you know what seems? Like, you know, a lot of things that seem like retro candies but aren't. Because they're candies that I think you only buy when you're about five, and then you never buy them again. When is, I mean, has anybody who's past the age of, I don't know, 15 ever purchased an Idaho Spud? You know what I'm talking about? No. But you, you know what I'm discussing, right, that candy? No. You don't know what an Idaho Spud is? What kind of American are you? I know it's a potato. It's a, no, 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 it's a candy bar. There's a candy bar what? called the Idaho Spud. Sarah, Idaho Spud? I've yes? never heard of it. See? See, I'm uh, see, no, but, see, but this is like you guys saying you see a bit of honey everywhere you go. Uh, the Idaho Spud was this candy bar that was presumably shaped like a potato. And really? It, yeah. And it was, and it was sort of in the sense that it was covered. It was sort of roundish. You know, it was kind of like it was basically like an elongated egg. Uh, that's kind of what it was shaped like, like a big bumpy egg. And it was chocolate on the outside, and I think it ends with like nougat or something and coconut. And so it was sort of like potato colored. So it was like a Cadbury's egg, but it was a potato. That's a bad way of describing it. It just it seems like, really gross. but it seems like a retro candy because it doesn't. It, I think they still sell it. I think I've seen it at like a Safeway and so forth. All right, I will purchase you a bit of honey if you can find me a potato. Thing. I will totally buy you an Idaho Spud. I will absolutely bring you one of those. See also Mounds, by the way. Like the Mounds candy bar, not so much the Almond Joy. The Mounds candy bar, that seems a lot like a retro candy for reasons that I can't really quantify. I've just consumed the whole beginning of the show. I don't think, but now I still candy. don't know where that like nut soundbite came from. We've talked about fake potato candy. You mean this right here? You're going to love my nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> 
Um, Did you have an observation about me or something? Oh, yeah. So here's the observation I'm going to make. Then we have to have a break. We'll come back. Bob Costantini. Uh, we will, uh, you know, we will uh, speak with Stacey Wilson, uh, former associate editor at Portland Monthly, who's going to handle the news today. Later on, Katie Darrell, Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, etc. Um, here's my observation about you, Richie. And I want you to be honest. Don't lie. Have you ever been treated for... Uh, tested for yes, or suspected of having a sort of dissociative or multiple personality disorder. Why yeah. are you looking at me? <laughs> the answer's not written on Sarah's head. Because there was a lot of stuff they diagnosed diagnosed me with. I went to OSHU up there, and they had three different. Oh, I know you were in the you were in the hatch for boobies. Yeah, they had a whole a whole big old book on me. A whole big old book. I didn't read. That doesn't it. sound like a you? thing. Well, they had all these different, said he's this and he's this and he's that. And he's it doesn't sound like that's a thing they let you leave the hospital after, like if you had they a didn't. big old book on you. <laughs> but you were there for like three weeks, right? Yeah. Have you How been did a- you leave? Like, they didn't want you to have a white jacket. <laughs> the, he tore out the sink that McMurphy told him about and he threw it through the window. No, I was in a white jacket for three weeks. Not one of those, you know. But I mean, you were you were you were in a you were put away for in three a smock. weeks. Have yeah. you been in a smock? Have you been uh, have you been in a? Were you sedated? Uh, no, but they did give me all, they tested a lot of different pills on me. Have you been uh, put away since then? No. But did they tell you, like, at any point you've got a personality, like a separate personality? Oh, I gotta read back. Here's the reason, and then we got a break, so I think this is Bob Costantino. Oh, really like so great. we're gonna take a break. Um, but here's why I ask, Richie, because I made this observation yesterday when you were walking around, like, kind of belching and throwing old eggs in the trash when you weren't busy eating food that you found, like, in the back of your car. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. You are an amazingly, uh, really stylish and well-put-together woman when you're cross-dressing, <laughs> and then you're just, like, the slobbiest, grungiest, most offensively, uh, slovenly guy I've ever met. So I feel like if I could merge the two personas that you have into one person, you'd be really well balanced. Like a metrosexual. Because you spend like an hour doing your lip gloss, but then you're like you're eating eggs that are five days old that you found in the garbage. He was still strange. eating them this morning. You know what I'm talking about. All right, take a break. Back after this, Bob Costantini. Don't go anywhere. Sir Rick Emerson. Show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Cena Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Also, uh, James Roop, Katie Darrell from TMZ, Don Taylor from Film.com, and Stacey Wilson, former associate editor of Portland Monthly, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio Correspondent and Man of the World. Hello, Bob. Hello, Rick. How are you? Hi. Where are you at today? I'm on Capitol Hill, um, where our president-elect uh, has been uh, making the rounds a little bit today, uh, meeting with the Senate uh, Democrats at their weekly party luncheon and um, talking to them, I guess, about stimulus and, and that sort of thing. Are you uh, roaming the halls as we speak? 
Not, not roaming the halls as we speak, because uh, he left uh, out the back door, I guess. <laughs> so really, so theoretically, you're there where, where something was happening, and where the guy who everybody cares about actually kind of ran out the back when nobody was looking. Uh, you yeah. really are at the you are at the center, the nucleus of power, Bob. You're the you're really the uh, <laughs> the intersection of all the corridors of influence. Uh, you know, I try to be. <laughs> well, okay. Then. It's a tough job, but somebody has to do it, I guess. Hey, let me uh, ask you this question about about Barack Obama. Um, to, is I heard somebody last night speculating that this business of uh, of closing Guantanamo Bay, and I don't know to what extent you can you can speak to that, mm -hmm. but this is, I mean, is that a thing that that is a really going to happen? Uh, B might happen, or C a thing he's just kind of throwing out there. And at this point, how do I put this? Does it even really matter? Because don't you figure that probably that whole operation, if they know they're going to be scuttled, they're just putting everybody in the back of a, a bus and sticking them somewhere else, probably. Well, there are still about uh, 250 prisoners uh, there. Uh, the uh, some of the most hardcore, if you will, who were uh, considered uh, dangerous terror suspects, a few of them have been brought to the United States. Others are still being held there. The the key issue and whether or not it's going to happen, it's not going to happen overnight, that's for sure, but how quickly it happens uh, depends somewhat on what Congress is uh, thinking because there is uh, no great appetite here on Capitol Hill to have terror suspects in uh, on the continental United States, um, even though a lot of people rail against Guantanamo and, and you know, the perception of it around the world. Um, they, uh, you know, when you ask members of Congress sometimes if they want uh, these detainees in their districts, in their federal prisons, in their districts, a lot of them say no, no thanks. But uh, so it isn't going to be just a simple matter of closing it and and uh, putting them in Leavenworth or you know other places. So this is a, it's a not in my backyard situation, isn't oh, it? Bob? It, it is. Uh, I've heard uh, that from Democrats, uh, some Democrats and some Republicans alike. You know, they should just um, find one of these states that is just cratering right now because of the economy, like uh, Detroit, for example. Say, look, well, you know, you, I know your car industry isn't working so well. How do you feel about terror suspects? I um, I don't know what kind of federal prisons they have there. I'm not exactly sure. Well, Michigan. okay. I'm just trying to help, Bob. But it's, it, it's not necessarily a simple thing of closing it, uh, although uh, he has uh, vowed that he will uh, close it. Uh, and that's one of the first things he wants to order uh, when he gets in office. He says. Here's a silly question, because I don't really know anything about how the government works. Uh, so would you say that Barack Obama, by executive order, is going to be ordering a, a, you know, Guantanamo Bay to close? So what what are the what are the limits of that business of the executive order? You know what I mean? Like like could they put on an executive order essentially to do anything? Um, the executive order? Yeah. It's just um, yeah, it's an executive order that says uh, because the uh, prison camp at Guantanamo was created by executive order as far as uh, uh, you know the war on terror was concerned, and it's on a military base. Um, it is considered, by and large, out of the purview of Congress uh, in this. In, but I just sort of in, wonder what the, the war thing. But my, I, I guess my question is, I wonder what the limits of the executive order are. In other words, is the executive order a mechanism or means by which you can bypass uh, the balance of, you know, the balance of power? Um, a lot of people look at it that way. That's for sure. Excellent. Well, that's how I would use it. That, that's you know. The, the, that's always been a huge battle between uh, the uh, White House and the uh, congressional uh, people. <laughs> it's it's been a battle since you know uh, since the presidency was created. I think. Uh, what is the latest on the friend of talk radio, Hillary Clinton? 
Hillary Clinton um, has had some relatively smooth sailing in her confirmation hearing uh, this morning. We've been watching that. Um, and uh, Senator Schumer of New York came out of the uh, uh, came out and talked to reporters a little while ago. He introduced her at the hearing. He expects she'll get uh, as many as 90 votes in the confirmation. Uh, the only questions that have been uh, tossed her way that might be a little nettlesome have dealt with how um, her husband's foundation, the Clinton Foundation, which is a, something he's been uh, going around the world taking, taking contributions uh, from the Saudis and from others, um, and uh, the question is, how much will he keep his own counsel? How much will, you know, would he possibly try to influence her? And, of course, uh, the Clintons have indicated that they are uh, separate and all that. Yeah, figure if you're Hillary Clinton, just waiting for that Bill Clinton question to come up, you know, whether you're being confirmed or whatever. I mean, it must just... It, 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 it's as though like Billy Carter had had some power dealing position in government, at, you know, at one point. And then every time Jimmy Carter wanted to get anything done, they kept going back to his beer swilling sibling. You know, what I mean, it's, it's kind of it's kind of embarrassing, I would imagine. Well, talk radio certainly has a field day with it. Uh, that's for sure. Yes, they do, Bob. Um, but I suspect uh, when all is said and done, she'll be uh, comfortably ensconced at the uh, State Department. Seriously, and comfortably ensconced is the only is the only really uh, the only term for it. And I see uh, Hillary Clinton not only being comfortably ensconced, but in one of those chairs that is backed with red tufted velvet and then has like a skull on each armrest. Absolutely, I guess. Uh, next to a torch. All right, Bob Costantini, are you on tomorrow, sir? I uh, know Lisa will be back. I'll damn the luck. Not that we don't love uh, Lisa and all, but come on now. All right. No, I, uh, Bob, will you, be, uh, attend- as always. will you be attending the inauguration? Oh, yes. Excellent. Well, see, yes, so there I'll you be go. attending so, the inauguration. So it's a good week to be you, Bob. I'll be in the hinterlands, I think, somewhere out there among the uh, million or so, whoever show up. Just uh, carry them one of those big foam fingers or something. <laughs> it's going to be 30-some degrees. So. All right. Have fun with that. Take right. care. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. All right, there you go. Bob, Bob ladies and gentlemen. There really is only one of that guy. All right, let me add this. All right, excellent. Thank you. That's fantastic. It's 503-733-2970. Gotta love the Bob. Bob is so great. Bob really is, I don't even know. See, I don't want to say he's like the shemp. That's wrong. That's that's, that's the wrong. I can't quite put my finger on that. It it seems like there's got to be some sort of television allegory. There's got to be some television analogy for exactly what Bob Costantini is. Like as relative to the rest of the CNN radio people, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's there's something there. Um, so did I read you the story that contained the phrase uh, "only butts became sick"? No, but I still don't know where the nuts thing is from. Either. Oh, you mean uh, you mean this, Sarah? You're gonna love my nuts. Yeah. Yes. If only I had time to play it now. Maybe. Uh, let's see. Well, we got the Steve Kastenbaum, who I think we're gonna be joined by in just a moment. So um, and then we'll later we'll try to. Uh, You're gonna love my nuts. We'll try to give the. Uh, and I thought everybody sort of knew. Like, I thought it was one of those things that I was teasing with. You're going to love my nuts. And everybody understood from whence, you know, it derived. I, I think a lot of people that. do. I, I have no idea. Upstairs, they don't. Susan Reynolds is like, where is it from? Uh, all right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the city that never sleeps. New York City's own Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio. Hello, sir. Hey. How are you, my friend? Pretty good. Oh, oh, there we go. Wait, hold on. Wait, what? Hello? I was going to say, the music was kind of loud today. Yeah, we had a whole uh, little imbalance there. How's life? How are things? Uh, doing well. Doing well. So now they've now actually made the decision that this uh, Bernie Madoff guy, 
Is it true that he, and of course, you know, maybe it's all misunderstood. Maybe they're confusing him with some other embezzling, swindling bastard named uh, Bernie Madoff. But <laughs> he's accused of having absconded with $50 billion. Am I correct in that not only is he not going to be in jail while waiting uh, for his trial here, he is actually going to be uh, spending his release time in his penthouse? Yeah, the judge yesterday denied the prosecution's request to revoke his bail well, how nice for him. based upon a claim that Madoff was trying to redistribute his assets, some expensive jewelry, the remaining assets in the company, in order to avoid uh, seizure of those assets. And the judge said, well, you know, he's really not a flight risk because they took away his passport and he's got electronic. Oh, yes, because a, uh, a guy who swindled $50 billion couldn't possibly find another way to get out of the country once you take his passport away. Yeah, that piece well, of paper will stop him from doing anything. Perhaps, but they, uh, they, they, they took away his passport and also have him under electronic monitoring. So he can't uh, leave his uh, penthouse at all. And they said he doesn't pose a risk to the community. Um, you know, it would be really hard for him to sneak out of his apartment because there's basically a 24-7 uh, throng of reporters surrounding the building right now. So, uh, yeah, you, you've got to be really happy about that if you're one of his neighbors. You know, this is just such a load, and I'll tell you why. Because every day in this country, probably not every day, but every week, there are guys who actually break out of, you know, like prisons, <laughs> actual real Guys broke out of Alcatraz, which was, in fact, in the middle of freezing shark-infested waters, like a mile from anywhere, and, you know, they were in concrete boxes filled with bars. And so the idea that a guy would... And those are the guys that had nothing. They were just breaking out with, like, a, you know, like a sharpened toothbrush and some, some glue. So the idea that a guy who has $50 billion laying around somewhere, uh, that he's going to be defeated by something you could buy at Radio Shack for $15 is... Uh, I would call that patently unbelievable, but what do I know? Oh, he definitely doesn't have fifty billion. He's lucky if he has a few million million left at this point. What was it? Was he trying to like send? It? I heard that he was like cutting checks to his relatives. Like they came to his house and he basically had a bunch of envelopes addressed, and it was like, "Dear sister, here's one hundred million dollars. Please wait three days to deposit, or it'll bounce." You know. Burn. It was basically he was mailing expensive jewelry to the relatives, uh, diamond watches and bracelets. And his kids actually ratted him out. His uh, who they were actually involved in the initial tip off to the feds about his uh, problems. And I guess they're completely ashamed by him. He apparently even took uh, a relative, uh, was it an aunt or uh, a cousin, something like that. A, a woman who he's related to is actually broke now because of, of what he did. So his kids turn to kids. Is there anything they can't ruin? His, his own, you know, if my dad was able to make $50 billion, if my dad was able to make $50,000 uh, a year doing something, you know what I mean? That's a dad you take to the parent-teacher conference. You say, what does your dad do? He swindles fools. He has made $50 billion so far. I mean, that's a thing of which you can be sort of perverted. It's like having Lex Luthor as your dad. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Evil. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, it's like this. You know, that's a guy with gumption. That's a, don't you almost assume that if a guy is able to swindle people out of, again, allegedly out of $50 billion, that he's got to be, I mean, some people would say evil, but I mean, I would say somewhat uh, not only brilliant, but a little crazy. I mean, that's probably like a, a little, little insane, but genius. Well, that's what the assessment is here. You know, there's this belief that, you know, eventually you'll make the money back. You know, why do they do this? It's all about vanity because right. he had this uh, reputation of being this investment guru, you know, this guy who, you know, everything he touched would turn to gold, and he had the right, uh, the right methodology for making uh, big returns on Wall Street, and then it started failing him. So as a result, you know, he, he just 
started lying about what was going on in hopes that uh, he would eventually turn things around and he would get more clients to come on and who would give him more money and he would use that money to pay off uh, earlier clients. It's hard to see how that could all go wrong. It's always it's kind of funny when you see guys who are this smart at this level then themselves falling into the pyramid scheme. You know what I mean? There's a certain sort of closing of the circle to that that I like. True. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he gets to enjoy these uh, cold winter days that we're having here this week. It's Mm going to get really cold uh, in the warmth of his luxurious penthouse apartment on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Well, that's that's great. I'm glad that's going to work out for him. He'll be staring down at the the very cold street people from the warmth of his fireplace lit living room. God Almighty. Yes. All right. Well, on that note, my friend, uh, it is uh, it's always a pleasure. You have uh, are you on tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be here. All right. We will talk to you then. So have a fantastic day, sir. You too. All right, there you go. Sienna Radio Correspondent, Steve Castanel. Ah, that's great. Uh, by the way, I'll just read this. We'll take a break. We'll come back uh, with uh, Stacey Wilson, a former associate editor of Portland Monthly. So I don't, I don't think I have the original email in front of me, actually. I'll have to paraphrase. But I'm going to read this thing from Stephanie Strickland at KGW, who, by the way, has not called. I mean, I gave her like 40 minutes. She hasn't you called did. to say no. So I guess I, I guess I will read her response first. Because it is, because it's pretty fantastic. Uh, so she sends me this, and there's a little winky emoticon in here too, which makes it all the better. So this is from Stephanie Strickland at KGW. She sent me this uh, the other day, and then I responded to her. Her email is as follows: Hey Rick, okay, seriously, did someone on your show say that I called myself a whore on my own show? And the great thing about it is, whore is not in quotes, it's between asterisks, which is like she's really accenting the word, which I find to be very visually amusing. So, did someone on your show say that I called myself a whore on my own show? Good Lord, that cracks me up. If it's true, you have to tell me what happened. Please, I'm dying to know. And then, Stephanie Strickland from KGW says, Tonight I'll call myself a slut, just to keep it fresh. <laughs> Steph live at 7, with a little uh, smiley uh, emoticon there. That's so, awesome. See, there you go. Sense of humor. Now I feel bad, because we've made fun of KGW many, many, many times, but that's never because, of, that's always just because of the writing that seems that to end the, up. the movie screw? Well, yeah, because it's always because of the articles that seem to end up online. It's not even anything on, you know, on the TV. That is always because we will see some news article online that looks as though it was written by a given with one eye. That just, somebody pounding the keyboard. Um, anyway, so, you know what? So, Stephanie Strickland, not that you didn't already have it, but you have earned my uh, my, my respect uh, with that. And not a little bit of affection, so good for you. And then I let her know that it was a guy who, you know, had said he thought at the Consumer Electronics Show that she had referred to herself as a gadget whore. So I won't dwell on it because she didn't do it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do wonder what she said that even sounded like that. Gadget whore. Like, what would, <laughs> what would, I mean, what would come out of your mouth that would even sort of, where the casual listener, you know, who's like a guy's watching TV but maybe isn't listening all that clearly, he's in the other room or something. Or, well, I mean, what, what, what combination of words could you even say that would sound like that? So I think it might have just been wishful thinking. I think that may have been a little projecting. I think so. Uh, by this guy. So, all right, well, there you go. All right, well, let's take a break. Shall we? We come back. Uh, we'll talk to Stacey Wilson. Uh, later on, we will have uh, uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, Don Taylor uh, from Film.com, and Jim Roop from CNN Radio, as well as other things of that nature and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this.
thing in Hadley. So, I mean, you're way ahead of me. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for joining us today. Our cavalcade of whimsy continues in mere moments. Uh, we will bring... What did I just say? Bon vivant? Because Byron, I think, I think so. took Gadfly. And I think somebody else took Raconteur. All right. Anywho. Uh, later on today, we'll talk to Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, James Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles, Don Taylor from Film.com, and so forth. Oh, and we'll give you the context to the... Um, the hell did I put it? We'll give you the context to the... You're going to love my nuts. Right, there you go. Which is really, like, better than you can possibly fathom. I mean, it really is among among the better things you'll see on television. Well, then I'm very glad that I waited and did not try and find it. No, it's good. No, sad that you can't go looking around for it yourself. Because if you do that, it's not going to be opening your... It's going to be like opening your presents on December 12th. It's just not going to work. Um, and then I have... And I, I didn't buy... I went back and I tried to pull some of the audio from the Larry King Priscilla uh, Presley thing. And I realized that sort of divorced from the... It's sort of like how the Dick Clark stuff becomes exponentially worse when you divorce it from any sort of imagery. It, like, this is the opposite, though, where all the Priscilla Presley, Larry King stuff, it just becomes sort of, it just becomes kind of dull when you're not watching, when you just hear the sound, because all you really hear are these long pauses, because I think they were having some sort of connectivity issue or an issue with the delay or whatever, because I think he, he was in L.A. that night and she was in, you know, Graceland. And plus it had to go through like the cloud of whatever chemicals was surrounding her brain at that moment. So, And also it had to take the time to find its way. Like every time he would ask Priscilla Presley some really tactless question, which is one of Larry King's few gifts, where he would say like, Priscilla Presley, I was... Like they came back from a break twice in a row with questions or non sequiturs that were, I think at the very least, a little off-putting, especially for Priscilla Presley, who I think is sort of surrounded by this cadre of kind of coddlers most of the time. And first, they came back and he said, because it was for Elvis's 74th birthday or whatever, he goes, Priscilla Presley, is it strange to celebrate the birthday of someone who's dead? Thoughts. And this is like this long... Wow. And it was like delay plus awkwardness plus drugs, allegedly, equals like an eternity of just waiting for her to sort of process it and then for like the ENIAC in her head to kind of go and spit out whatever like canned response she has. Um, and then the second they go to a break and they come back again and he was like, you know... Coming up later on, financial guru Susie Orma. But now, once again, Priscilla Presley. Uh, Priscilla Presley, I was looking at... I was, what did he say? I was looking at a photo. Wow, you were attractive. And then it just... And then it hangs out there, like just the most leaden of balloons. And she sort of does a little... Kind of like a, like a his master's voice kind of a thing, where she sort of cocks her head and goes... Well, thank you, Larry. You're welcome. You know, and he just did right over the top of it. So it's it's quite something. So we'll talk about it more here in a bit. Let us welcome out of the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program, Media Bon Vivant. Uh, and so we were actually we've been sort of referring to you as the uh, former associate editor for uh, associate editor for Portland Monthly. But really, it turns out that really your journalistic knowledge and expertise and experience dwarfs like anything I'm ever going to do in my life, uh, Stacey Wilson. Well, thank you. So I'll take it. I mean, so you basically have written for like a thousand publications and are prepping a thousand more, and you do more by 9 a.m. than I will ever accomplish. Um, I've been told that before, actually. I'm the marine of, um, of of local journalism. All right then. So does that mean? Ah, never. I was going to make a Bill Paxton aliens joke. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, and so you, can you, uh, actually, if we can just sort of uh, recreate a little bit of the conversation we were having. I did not know the the Mary Kay Letourneau thing. That was sort of your, I mean, you were kind of on that, and then you got the first interview with. Uh, I did. So I, I'd spent, I'd been away from Portland for 12 years and working and attending graduate school and going to New York, living in New York. And my first job as a people correspondent in the Northwest was covering Mary Kay's release from prison, where she had been for, it was around 
eight, seven or eight years. And um, I did a piece, I worked on a piece where we talked about what her life had been like in prison, um, church choir, et cetera. Really? Making crafts, et cetera. Like an actual church choir? Like an actual church choir in, 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 the, in the clink. I found that and, uh, strangely aroused. She spent a good deal of her time deflecting advances from other female prisoners because she's pretty cute. I don't know if you recall. I, I only kind of... See, here's the thing about that. It becomes so terribly difficult for me to separate actual cute from crazy cute. <laughs> like, this is a horrible thing to say, but do you remember... Uh, What's her, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the drowner, Susan Smith? Mm. I remember Susan Smith, and I mean, you know, criminal, awful, immoral, whatever. But I remember looking at her, and it, like, filtered, I think a lot of guys do this, uh, but, like, filtered through the prism of nuts, mm-hmm. like, crazy nuts. Uh, it be, like, it, she became, she had this weird aura of attractiveness. Well, isn't but, that what we did with Sarah Palin, too? Yes. Some of us are still doing that. And uh, not, not to equate Sarah Palin with, with someone who committed these terrible crimes. But. Well, we can't prove anything with Sarah Palin, not quite yet. Uh, so, but, but, so, she was, but you, so she was actually an attractive woman. Uh, she was. She was very, very charming. It's interesting. She was the same age that I am now when she first had her interlude with Billy, who was 12 at the time. So I, I, I think about that often um, and how utterly ab- absurd it is. Um, but they're, you know, they're still married, and I, I did attend their wedding. I slightly crashed it and it was escorted out. You um, crashed Mary Kay Letourneau's wedding? In an indirect way, yes. I sort of hung out and, and found my way inside and then was escorted out um, by the publicist. Okay, I have to say that crashing Mary Kay Letourneau's wedding sounds like <laughs> the title of some as-yet-unwritten uh, sort of like chit- chiclet book. Uh, that oh, would be it like works. Really? <laughs> I mean, really, but, and it would be like in a swirly <laughs> font genius. with like a sparkly thing and a shoe or something. No, you know, it was a very, it was the whole... It was at a winery in Washington outside of Seattle. It was a very staged Because they're sophisticates. Yes. Um, she stayed in, they stayed in a lodge um, nearby, and it was a very untabloidish. There were British tabloid uh, photographers sort of jumping out of bushes right. kind of every five minutes, but they're still married. They live, this is an interesting note, they still live in the, in the house where Mary Kay lived with her original husband, and he, Steve Laterno, lives in Alaska, and right. Mary and Billy now live in that same home in Normandy Park, which is south of SeaTac. Um with their two girls, so also also. Did, let me ask you this uh, about Mary Kay Letourneau. Does uh, so uh, did, uh, Mount Mary Kay Letourneau, um, Stacey Wilson? Does she seem crazy? I mean, does she like? Do you talk to her and you go, "Wow, you're nuts"? Um, I think she is someone who's struggled with mental illness, and I think she um, and depression and a bad marriage and all those things that a lot of people in America are suffering mm-hmm. from. Um, I didn't actually ever speak to her directly because she was not available for right. the most part. Um, but, you know, I feel like clearly what she did was wrong. She violated a number of laws, including being a teacher and sleeping with her student. But, you know, Billy is an adult now, and if he's choosing to be in that relationship, then yeah, not, I just, not a lot we can do about it. I don't know. I got this whole thing, because people will sometimes tell you that television is deceptive or that the camera lies or whatever. And I, and I sort of, I think in many cases, I think it's actually, I think it's, I think it's very much the opposite. I think that the camera... I think the camera really does reveal the truth about a person. I, I've always believed that. Sure. Uh, and everybody sort of talks about, you know, Nixon and Kennedy or whatever. But, I mean, it's sort of like when everybody saw, regardless of how you felt about him ideologically, it's that, like the first time you saw Bill Clinton on TV, you're like, well, that guy's untrustworthy. You know, and and I think that like, that really is, is true most of the time. And I remember seeing, uh, you know, and, and you can't really say about him because he was like 13 or 14. and Everybody's kind of crazy at that age. But I remember seeing her. Here's what, this is the only comparison I can make. I remember every time I would see Mary Kay Letourneau on television, she had exactly, to me anyway, the same bearing and vibe as that 
Dolores, whatever, her, that woman who married uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Oh, who, right. If you ever see, boy, if you want to be just creeped out to like the very core of your being, watch an interview with this woman who married Richard Ramirez because she is just, I mean, that's a woman who just screams out for a documentary. She's got like, you know, she's got like one of those Marilyn Vossavant, I, you know, IQs or something that can boil water. And, and, and she looks very sort of presentable and normal and kind of like a living Holly Hobby doll. Uh, but then she's married to this guy who was, you know, a serial killer and an eye gouger and so forth. And they will ask these questions like, you know, uh, it's like, so so the serial killing, though, it didn't turn him. She's like, well, I just, you know, you like you just don't see the side of Richard that I see. And he really is just the most charming. He's just like a little boy sometimes. He's just very and there's like nothing about her that you could really point to specifically like as evidence of the craziness that you know is there. There's just some vague vibe coming off of her that is very, I mean, it's sort of intangible, but quite real. Well, I don't think, I don't think our culture has never known what to do with unstable women. I think our history is full of crazy men. Right. And the history of the world is full of crazy men. So I think uh, we don't know what to do when we have a young, attractive person, a woman with children acting like a total lunatic. Right. And so I think it's interesting. I, I think often if the Mary Kay Letourneau situation happened now, because that sort of broke in 1996 before, you know, the media had become the right. monster that it is. I do wonder how, I mean, I imagine it would be even just absolutely more exaggerated and really more out of control than it was. Well, we've actually had this discussion several times because every time there's some sort of, uh, you know, teacher getting it on with the mm -hmm. student story, we, uh, we have this discussion about whether it's become, like, is that just a thing that's being reported upon more, like the shark thing or the peanut allergy thing? Well, I'll tell you, it's... There are plenty of male teachers who have done this, and it's, I mean, I'll tell you, probably hundreds of cases a year, but it really helps to be a news story if the girl, if the teacher is hot. Yeah, no, that's true. And there was a gal shortly after Mary Kay's situation in Florida, of course, because all the best crazy stories come out of Florida, and that, we'll get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. Oh, trust me, um, yeah. <laughs> I remember Germany or Florida was the thing that, um, Love Line. Love Line, yeah. I, I think about that a lot. Um, I, I think Deborah LaFave was yes. the name. Yes, see, I was so, you know really what? Really attractive. You and I are on the I mean, same level here, Stacey Wilson. Oh, I really? I hope not. Little... <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. Now I'm oh, all hurt. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me ask you that. On a scale of one to five, exactly how much do you feel that you are slumming it right now by being in the studio with me? I was a little inadvertent reveal that just happened. I'm going to decline to respond to that. All right. Sarah, if I were to ask your estimation of Stacey Wilson, would you say that she finds me, A, off-putting, B, juvenile, C, ever so slightly creepy, uh, what, four? D? Twelve. D, completely without any logical or cogent train of thought. Uh, or finally, a misunderstood genius. Or some combination oh, of the above. Oh, God, can we just start the news? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm glad you said, uh, what's her name, Deborah LaFave, because she's exactly uh, the, 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 the woman that I was thinking of. Yes. Not least of which, because she looked exactly like this hot girl in high school that would never talk to me. She's so in my head, it was sort of very a... cute. But I must interject and say, I, I really hope my journalism career is not defined and will not be defined by the Mary Kay Letourneau story. Because there's... Because there are so many more... Mountains things. left to climb. <laughs> yes. I'd like to, to think I've done bigger and better things than... You're going to forward every stream. Yes. All right. Exactly. You got it. And it won't be the Don McLean of the journalism. No. Work. Gosh, no. Hopefully not. All right. Shall we begin the news hour? Mm-hmm. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll play a little sounder here, and then we will bring on Stacey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, the news. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. 
If you'd like to make any, um, by the way, I'm just going to give you sort of carte blanche. If you'd like to fold in any uh, cutting observations about me into the news story, even if it doesn't make any sense at all, even okay. if it's just jamming it in there, you just you have uh, you have a tabula la rasa. You can do whatever you like. Will do. All right. Um, I I was very drawn to the story. Um, out of Florida. Of oh, course. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Wait, damn it. No. I don't even have my sounder loaded. That's not even fair. <laughs> I do. I was busy thinking of interesting thoughts. I didn't even know about our Florida nah, thing. I, it has its own I don't think it's sounder. in Miami like the music suggested that you just played. Um, but it could be. Um, this actually, I, the headlines that attract me the most when I'm trolling the sites are onion-ish headlines. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm fascinated by the onion and I constantly muse about possible onion stories just in my mind i'll come up with headlines just on have you ever come up with an onion headline that you thought to yourself i should really submit this well i actually have a friend here in town who writes for the onion and i will frequently send him ideas um and i'm not sure if he's actually used them or not um some of them he said that they've used so that just shows you how incredibly bright i am wait so i mean so you've actually sent him onion headlines that they have then that have ended up in the paper not necessarily headlines just I, kernels of ideas notions yes musings notions. um in this this story out of florida um orlando so disney world um, Mom says doll has, quote, sexually suggestive message. And it's a Bratz doll. Uh-huh. I know we're all huge fans of the Bratz dolls. It's hard to believe that anything sexual could come out of a Bratz doll. No, I know, with their with her long, flowing hair and her mini dress. Um, uh, well, this girl, Brianna Staley, says that this particular doll is her favorite doll, but her mother fears that the doll is inappropriate because on her belt buckles is the word enter. And her little girl doesn't know how to what that means, mommy. And w- what should I do with that, mommy? I'm not even really sure what that means. I mean, I know what it means. Like I understand the meaning of the word, but why would that be? Are we sure that it says that it doesn't really say like? <laughs> well, it's in an Bender online or... news story, so you can you can interpret the validity of that as you will. Uh, but the mother is concerned that um, she doesn't think that's the right message for children at all. So, I mean, but there's so many things about this story I don't understand. This is like. About every four months, we will get some weird Twilight Zone talking Tina-esque story about a doll that purportedly says something awful. Like, you know, the doll's supposed to say, like, I love you, and it's, it's like, behead your parents, or whatever. And it's, you know, and then the, but then the dad is always like some colossal understatement. Like, the doll will be saying, like, you know, kill, you know, kill everyone you see today, and then dress in their skin. And the dad will say... <laughs> Well, I don't think this is the right message to be given to children out of a out of a toy. I uh, I have to say I have I have problems with this. And then the guy, the news guy, will look all concerned and go, you know, and he'll say, Robert says he plans to complain formally to the company about the doll. And then they end with the doll going like, you know, this is the time of purification or whatever. But was the doll Mickey Mouse? No, it, it was June foray. <laughs> I can't really do. I don't know that I can. I can't really do voices at all. That's like my only voice. That I wish I guess. I tend to resort Mickey. to Mickey Mouse too. If I'm doing some sort of high pitched, sort of you know twist on anything, it ends up sounding like Mickey Mouse. So I'm, uh-huh. yeah. I'm the bringer of death. Either Beaker from Muppet Show or, or good or for Mickey you Mouse. with the Beaker for the win. Uh, so uh, does it have so, a picture of the belt? It does. It, it's just a very. She sort of looks like she's sitting next to her drum set because I don't know if you know a lot about brat stalls, but they play musical instruments. Of course, there are many. Which is why young girls are into them. Uh, they're empowering. Um, that, yes, extremely. It's girl power, if you will, which I hate that phrase. Um, but the, So the mother did complain to MG Entertainment. Um, I don't know why my computer's be. I'm just going to meet and, that. Uh, and this is what she told the paper. She, the way he was explaining it, it was supposed to be like a seatbelt, like how a seatbelt in a car has enter, and you enter the seatbelt. I'm like, well, you're still entering. I have no idea what that is. Is this means. the parent of the teacher yes, talking? This is the, no, this is the the parent, and I have no idea what she's talking about. Peculiar Florida it addiction. Like, I know, I know. And she said that she's not going to let it go, and she's going to take this on as kind of a mission. A to cause. Rid, rid the 
at least the Orlando metro area of this particular doll for her daughters. It's good that she's starting with the problems that really need addressing in that particular No, no, I, I agree. Not the fact that everybody there seems to be, like, imprisoning children in their basement. Right. I would say there are. If she's looking to do philanthropic work, I would say <laughs> ridding the Orlando area of brat stalls is not high on the list. And so you know, that the, grabbed my attention first and foremost. must be today. the change you wish to see in the world, as somebody said in the department <laughs> meeting this morning. So, you know, what do I know? All right. I think I heard that somewhere before, too. I think and then an awkward pause fell over the room. <laughs> I was just wondering whether to roll out more Bratz observations. And then I decided my mom bought me a Bratz doll as a joke a couple of years ago, my sister and I, and I really had no idea what to do Here's the thing it. about the Bratz dolls is they're just sort of frightening. I mean, they're really creepy with their like freaky, like big pumpkin head, head. big eyes. That's, yeah. they look like those the Japanese anime influence. Well, that and also like, but see so here, you know, then the, the other story, the, the other doll story they do. There's a, and you, you of course know this, being a media maven as you are. Clearly. Um, there's a few stories that they just sort of roll out constantly. One is that flower that smells like a dead person, you know, and they always go, like, it only blooms every 90 years, but it's like every four months. It's like there's some guy in Britain filming the corpse flower, and which, uh, you know, so I guess it's just like that's the top thing on the evergreen pile. Sure. Um, but the other thing they they will do, and it's always, uh, you know, there'll be some sort of Steinem-esque woman who'll be on television. And Are she you saying w- feminist? I didn't say that. You said that. I just, want to know, I just want to be clear it's Steinem-esque. I'm just saying there will be a, occasionally a... How do I put this? That's okay. I, I get your dress. There will be a, a somewhat, I would say, unpleasantly strident woman on television okay. who is holding up a Barbie doll, and then they will do two things. One, they will hold up another doll that they think your kid really ought to like mm-hmm. because it's part of this adult obsession with making children like things other than what they really do like. For sure. You know, like, no, 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 your child shouldn't like... Your boy shouldn't want to play with a gun... Give him this, and then it's something absurd. It's like, give him this, it is a, and then it'll always be like, you know, it'll be something completely pointless. It'll be like a uh, a thing. I have nothing. <laughs> but it'll be like, a, you know, like, here's a box of ball bearings. Go have fun, kid. Well, I uh, think parents, I think when it comes to boys, boys are discouraged from playing with the girlish toys, and then therefore, you know, encouraged to participate in more masculine activities. Just anything that bleeds, sort of. Or, but, yeah, I hope things are changing on that front. Though. But the woman will, but she'll always hold up like a doll uh, that is like the doll that the girls are supposed to like, and it's always a doll that is realistic or whatever. And then they will inevitably end by saying, uh, they will say, doctors say that if Barbie were a real woman, her measurements would be, and then it always basically comes out that the woman would be so weird, weirdly shaped that That's in fact, tall. yeah, and that like her sternum would just sort of like crumple mm-hmm. and that she would just sort of tip over like yeah. it, like in the middle. Um, what was my point with this? Uh, I don't, I don't something Barbie dolls. I got nothing. All okay. right, we'll move on. Here's uh, Stacey. Um, ladies and gentlemen. Another fantastic headline. And I'm having, you know, uh, learned the ropes of journalism in New York where everything's pretty, you know, we can't get too colorful with our headlines. You know, you sort of, you know, got to say what you got to say. Um, I, I absolutely envy the Brits for the stuff they get away with in their newspapers. And, and like, their legitimate newspapers, right. not even the tabloid papers. So there are two headlines that were just fantastic. Uh, the first being Plucky Pensioner. Don't even really know what that They means. love alliteration. Pl- they do. Um, Plucky Pensioner 94 beats off burglar. So I'm, ag- I'm guessing that someone who's 94 clearly is retired from yes. whatever craft yes. or job he had, digging graves or what have you. Um, I just never heard of Did you just go to digging graves just like as your default? I just, I always think of cloudy, you know, sort of, you know, UK mountains and And he has a snap brim hat? Yes. Exactly. And he's, you know, he's going to go have a pint. And he's holding a skull, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, so apparently he was he had a home invasion situation, and he fought off the burglar uh, by punching him in the face. Excellent. Which is 
really, that's fine. Um, but I, what I really love is the statement from the constable of the Essex police who said, quote, this burglar should be ashamed of himself as not only was he foiled by a man nearly three times his age, but also that he should stoop to such despicable levels by smashing a photograph of sentimental value. I mean, it's like this guy's on stage. I don't know if you've ever heard any of our police statements on the news. They're extremely vague and very yeah. brief. And I'm just, that's kind of neat. They get to sort of get a little wax, a little Shakespearean in well, there. Well, I mean, it is the, you know, it is, it is the land of Eddie Izzard. So, I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? No, here it's a lot of like hooking the thumb and the belt and just sort of saying, you know, like, and that's really all we can say at this time. Right. Uh, our, our public information officer will have uh, more obfuscations uh, for you in just a moment. So, but I, uh, I like how so he just he throws in a little scolding. And how dare you smash that 94-year-old man's photograph? It, it really, it is like, it, because it's, it's not just that he committed a crime. It's that he has dishonored himself. He has besmirched he himself mean. as a Briton. Right. It's sort of a, you know, right. it, like, you know the, the, like the sun has finally set on the British Empire with this final act of despicable tomfoolery. Yes. But I have to say this story does not compare to the recent news of of the elderly woman um, who beat off the intruder. with the, the grab and the twist and, and the ow, my junk. I want to give a shout-out to my sister Jamie Wilson from KPTE uh, Channel 12, who scored the only interview with um, really the lady, um, whose name I have forgotten. Um, oh, just so she didn't choose to remain anonymous, because I thought she didn't want... No, you know, I can't recall. I, I think her name was anonymous, yes, because okay. I remember her face was not shown in the television story. But um, but this just shows you the power of the media, the 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 reason this woman survived this attack, this woman was in her 70s, okay? She's sitting at home minding her business, and a naked fellow walked in the house. And she said like that she... Yes, how do you do? Um, and he was probably cold. And she said she recalled hearing of a news story from the past of a woman who, you know, went down there and did a little twist and was able to escape this attack. And she recalled that, and it saved her life. So what I'm saying is this is a statement of how powerful the media is. These little these little stories stick with us because the because really the tactic of, of really the method of scrotal attack would would have been totally unknown oh, by her. You you went there because she knew. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? I'm not going <laughs> to. I would say gild the lily, which is wrong. Well, you you have book learning and whatnot. What is it? I do. Okay, when I say gild the lily, that's probably that's one of those like Vincetti, like I, that doesn't mean what I think it means. I don't actually know what that means. I I've said it. And I think I know what it means, but it's that kind of thing that I refrain from saying because I don't actually get what it means. It's like saying begs the question, which I know is always wrong. That's okay. like a thing that I always use in quick. I think everyone uses it. But it's also like one of those fort, forte things that now is like, it's like by using it incorrectly over and over, we have just worn a groove oh, sure. in the language and forced it to become correct. Sarah, you went to college. Um, Gild the lily. Please to explain. Not a clue. Yes, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So, we, uh, so we're really with impunity, we can just continue Well, to... gilding suggests covering something in gold and sort of... Making something pretty. That is already pretty, even Right, prettier. that of preserving. That's, yep. that's the confusing part. I think it is an elaboration upon existing beauty. It is. I, I, don't I have nothing. I should say, by the way, that, of course, it's because you were revealing that you are, in fact, massively intelligent and successful. Yes. So now, mm -hmm. now I'm terrified of looking dumb. Or, which is, I know that that sort of, that intellectual. Don't be afraid. That don't ship afraid. Is, has, has sailed and sunk already. But, you know, what are you going to do? Anyway, but, but so she, yeah, she knew, because this is one of the things they tell you, you're a woman. Uh, you know, there are always, you know, there's like several things you can do, like you, like you take your oh. car keys or whatever, and you like put them, put them between your fingers, and you like right the behind. Safety, the safety videos tell us, you know, hold your key out. Totally. Have your keys, you know, ready to go before you get to your house. I mean, all these things. But I, we never got that particular sort of, you know, method for warding off attackers. That, that was not mentioned. Here's the only reason I'd heard it before, because years ago. The keys? Uh, well, no, I'm talking about the grab and the twist. Oh and yeah. The ow, ow, hey. Yeah. The because they talk about the keys and they talk about, and then they give you stuff that like is. 
I guess technically true in some vague sort of scientific way, but like is completely like undoable. They'll say like, well, and what you want to do is you want to strike uh, the base of the nose, and what that'll do is it'll drive the cartilage into his brain, and he will in fact uh, then be one of the undead, but incapable of harming you. Like they'll always say, as though that's like when they give you the advice on how to get a shark to leave you alone. And it's always a lot of, you want to go for the left eye, not the right eye. Now, the right eye, make sure that you are jabbing your thumb into the left eye of the shark and then the right nostril and then a knee to the dorsal. So are you saying that's a little too much instruction for in a time maybe you might be panicked? I'm or? saying nobody can hit a guy. Like, the only time you will ever hit a guy in the nose and drive the nose into the brain, here's the only time that's ever going to happen, is when it's in your living room and you're playing Wii Sports and it's accidental and then it leads to you being put in jail for the rest <laughs> of your life. And you'll be like, no, it was an accident. I didn't. I was playing badminton. That's Like, that's a thing you could never do when you need to. You will only do it. Like after one too many martinis some night and then like dead friend in your floor. Well, I think I really, I think I was watching a great film recently, Red Belt, mm-hmm. um, David Mamet's latest film. And the the main character plays a, I think it's Taekwondo. Was he a profane motor mouth who spoke in elliptical sentences? No, he okay. wasn't. Thank Just goodness. Um, but he was telling a female client, there's no attack you cannot from which you cannot escape. And I believe that if you train to be a martial artist every day of your life, I believe that's true. But I don't think a lot of us have time for that. The only reason I know about the uh, the scrotal thing, and I'll just and then we'll move on uh, from this, so I don't say oh. scrotum like a thousand times, is that many many years ago there was this uh, there was this radio, uh, G Gordon Liddy, uh, author, Watergate burglar, you know, sociopath. He had this uh, radio show, and a woman actually called up at one point because she was living in a high crime area, and she's like, "So, Mr. Liddy, I just I know that you can kill a man with a pencil and everything, and so I was just wondering if you could give me like a few little advice, you know, tips." And he gave some, you know, some sort of, you know. Th- 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 I guess sort of preemptive advice, like he's like, always walk with authority, walk with, you know, walk as though you are empowered. Um, don't constantly dart your head around, but don't be afraid to look and see who's around you. You know, he's like, that will, you know, that'll 90% of people will see that you're kind of keeping an eye on, they'll leave you alone. And he's like, and he does it in that great G. Gordon Liddy uh, delivery. Uh, and he goes, and but if they ever do get you on your back and you find that, you know, you feel like you're about to be violated, what you want to do is you want to find the goods, ma'am. I, I'm sure I, you know what I'm talking about when I say the goods. She goes, I believe so. Okay, you want to find the goods, and you want to twist as hard as you possibly can. If you feel blood, that is a good sign. Keep going. Oh, and I remember hearing this like on the radio and kind of thinking to myself, well, you can't really argue with that. I mean, it is at its base, so to speak. I would say that's an effective technique. I, I have a, I think a better story that we can talk about now. <laughs> um, another story out of the UK. But this is a really happy story. This yes. is excellent news. <laughs> can I um, ask you, can I interrupt for one moment? <laughs> sure. Uh, so have you uh, have you ever uh, been in the capacity, ever considered having a career as a teacher? Um, yes, I have. Which, I, the first or the uh, or the second? The former or the latter? Um, I Yes, I have considered being a teacher. Because, and I hope you don't take this, I don't mean this disrespectfully, <laughs> you have the teacher tone down Perfectly. And Sarah's mom is an educator, so she knows what I'm talking about. My mother was, too, which is probably why I... It is that you have had... Do you have uh, the teacher eyebrow? That's what my mom had. I knew I was in trouble and she... No, there wasn't any raise of one eyebrow. There was just stern talk and and the normal discipline we all have growing up. You have the... Uh, you do... You have already mastered, uh, at least in the context of this conversation, just the tone of voice implying that you have tired of my shenanigans and that you are now forcibly moving us into a different area. <laughs> Which is fine. I'm just trying to ease the transition. No, no, no. And I appreciate it. No, no, no. That's a thing that Rick Emerson is grateful for. All right. (laughs) Um, So this other medical, another sort of medical marvel story out of uh, of the UK. There always seem to be fantastic medical marvels coming out of that country. Um, A young woman named Michelle Stepney was, she was pregnant with twins. 
and she found out during her pregnancy that she had is it cervical cancer. Um, yes. And they, they said, you, you need to terminate your pregnancy because you need to receive immediate chemo and cancer treatment. She didn't want to. And somehow these magical twins kicked loose the tumor that was inside of her and saved her life. Uh, which I mean, is, I guess that's the good news. That, that, is, that is excellent news. Um, but what I love again, the headline, very straightforward, how my twins saved my life by kicking loose a tumor while still in my womb. <laughs> and then really, it's kind of like a movie trailer. I don't need to read the rest of the story because I kind of get... No, that's a high know? concept sort of a thing. That's like a Don Simpson. It's Yes. Look, it's like Die Hard with a tumor <laughs> in a womb. <laughs> Don Simpson, may you rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I just love the sort of the pluckiness of UK journalism because... You know, that's extremely wordy. This is a, like a 15-word headline, um, but it's great. But there's something, but I mean, so what, do, is that from, is that from like the Sun or the, uh, like the this Daily Mail? The or, Daily Mail. Okay, Daily see, Mail. too bad it's not the Sun, because the great thing about the Sun is, I mean, apart from everything, yeah. um, the great thing about that is that if something is in the Sun, and I think CNN has started to do this, that you can actually get any headline they use made as a shirt. Oh, and Anderson good. Cooper, but it's always like crap you don't care about, you know, like... You know, like Dow up slightly on rally or whatever. It's like like stuff you wouldn't really want. But but every now and again, Anderson Cooper will have some insane headline that you could, in fact, just wear blazoned across your chest. And so that would be fantastic. That is also like one of those. Um, what is that book that Nick Twist references? The How I Graduated from the Harvard Business School at Age 15 and Made a Million Dollars by the Time I Was Oh, yeah, 20. the title of Nickel Arcades. Yeah, no, it, remember the exactly. Name. So, all right. Let's do one more and then we'll take a break. Um, You know... Would you like me to make uh, sort of an amusing transitional noise with that, my mouth? Um, no, that's no, that, no need for that. Um, let's stay away from Hamas. That's a little, that's a little dark for today. Um, well, here we have. I mean, who doesn't love sex, sex doll shops, um, and the people who love them? Oh, is this the uh, Sarah's? This is for you and I were talking about before the show. No, no, no. I pulled that one. All right, this, this? isn't the story that had the horrible vile. No, this this is um, Wait. again out of Australia. There was a story that we no, looked that was at. The, that was the raping in the. Yeah, no, no, I pulled that. One. Isn't it always? Yeah. I mean, really, that's a. There was yeah, there was a story earlier uh, that Sarah and I were talking about the show, and Sarah said, "Hey, do you have this story about the uh, the thing with the the raping and the thing?" And I and and I looked at it, and we both kind of were scanning it together, and we both had a simultaneous kind of Jesus God, no, that can never be read. Actually, I'm not going to do that one because I don't want to talk about sex, Is sex it, dolls. It's off-putting. Um, what I do love, um, and having had to write a lot of stories and depend on data from police and government, I love when new data is released um, when a year ends and sort of... So this looks like an AP story that ran on Coin, coin.com, talking about um, uh, crime statistics in Portland last year. And I, and I just sort of love the first sentence because it's very... Um, just very you know, straightforward. The FBI says Portland saw a drop in many types of reported crimes, but a big increase in murders. So it's sort of a yin-yang. Yeah, of. it's sort of like fewer burglaries, but a, a lot more is, people were killed last year. But, I mean, really, is this possible because the people who might have otherwise been reporting, oh, I don't know, burglaries have, in fact, just been killed by the intruder? Right. Um, and, and they do mention um, nearly all murders get reported to police, but that's not always the case with auto thefts and burglaries. I see. So and this so... Is, right. And so if you're burgling a guy's like, uh, you know, like a Torino, and he gives right. you guff, and then he just shoots you in the face, that's sort of a bathwater baby kind of a thing. Correct. Yeah. And so therefore, when, you know, it's more of a word of caution, and this is my public service to your listeners, that when you see this data reported, do not 
you know, take it for what it is. It's it's not 100% accurate. Because it's from the man. Well, it's not so much that it's from the man. Is that, you know, crime, when you hear crime numbers, it's, it's you know, there are a lot of factors. Depending what neighborhood you I mean, crime in Portland varies wildly, obviously, depending what neighborhood you live in, what suburb. Um, so when I read stories like this, it's 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 good, it's, it's interesting, but it always begs larger questions that I don't think any... Anybody has it gilds larger lilies. It gilds larger lilies. Right. Uh-huh. On the uh, other side of this, I think we have a guy in the line who's going to teach us how to break somebody's nose. So you got that to look for. And, and perhaps with the, the braining and the A oh, and I'm okay. dead. I, I'm only, I'm just extrapolating that out. It just says, in Richie's sort of peculiar, it, Ted, and then it says, teach martial arts, which I'm assuming is... So I'm just sort of drawing from... All right. Uh, back on the other side, more from Stacey Wilson. Later on, we'll have Don Taylor from Film.com, Jim Root from CNN Radio, and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. By the way, I just have the following observations to make about Priscilla Presley, and then I will move on. Did you say you had sound bites about No, because, see, they were interesting, but I realized later it's only because... They were only interesting because, A, Larry King does that thing of sort of leaning more and more forward... Like, by the end of the evening, you sort of expect him to be kind of face down on the desk. Uh, and also because Priscilla Presley, she was just so clearly, uh, like, not understanding or, or grokking any of his questions. And then there was this weird delay between when he would ask and she would hear and answer. It was like he was on, like, a satellite phone with Jalalabad or something. It didn't, I mean, it was all very, there was, like, this total disconnect. I just made the following notes, and then we'll talk to this guy about breaking somebody's nose. I mean, like, presumably. And then uh, more amusement and news with Stacey Wilson. Um, but uh, I just made these notes myself. A, Priscilla Presley looks like somebody else. And I don't mean she looks like somebody else. And somebody goes, hey, you kind of look like uh, Jeremy Piven. I don't think anyone looks like Priscilla Presley. I mean, yeah, like, she doesn't look like Priscilla Presley. I mean, yeah. she is a, if you had asked me, like, if you just sort of like um, celebrity flashcards, you know, who's this? I There's just no, I might have eventually said, like, Maybe Lisa Marie's cousin or something. They didn't look anything like Priscilla Presley. It was all. It was very strange. I mean, to the, and I mean, yeah, and I mean, you know, especially to to sort of guys of my generation who saw her to great effect in the Naked Gun movies. Yeah, and I mean, and of course, obviously, when she was, you know, and that was actually it's funny. You actually say that she was gorgeous, especially when she was with Elvis. I made this note to myself after that. A Priscilla Presley looks like a different person. B she somehow magically looks simultaneously younger, but worse. Yeah. So she kind of looks about half the age as she did, you know, I don't know, maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago, but not, like, good. But it's, it's odd, too. Um, I don't know what looking young looks like anymore. I was watching the Golden Globes the other night, um, which I do religiously every year, and I, I look at people and I think, my God, he's he's getting younger and younger and yet scarier and scarier and just yes. like the the hyperfacials that they get I mean you can tell they all look like they've stepped out of some sort of like I don't know biodome where they've been buffed and polished for weeks and weeks and it's just it looks and then you see Clint Eastwood who looks like he's 110 yeah. and I love it yeah. it's like that guy his 
you know. Craggy and fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and we wouldn't want him any other way. I was actually, I think David Walker was the one who was, I mean, unsurprisingly, the conversation turned to pornography almost immediately. And so David Walker, we were talking about uh, about porn stars or something. I think we were talking about Christy Canyon, who was truly beautiful, uh, you know, at one point. I don't and know who that is. It's, it's, she's an adult film uh, okay. celebrity. Uh, David Walker knows a lot. David Walker and I can, you know, it's if you ever David need Walker to be. David Walker of Flamme Week. Yeah, if you okay. ever need to be sort of brought up to speed, you just, uh, okay. you just, you know, you know, we'll hook He's you quite the porn aficionado. Okay. Um, but, but, anyway, but we were, you know, talking about, you know, whatever, about how, how she looked bad. And it wasn't because she had aged. Because the, 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 like the, the thing is, the issue is not aging, you know, uh, as Nick Twist would say, the, you know, the hand of time comes for us all. But it, the problem is when you pick an age sort of arbitrarily and you go, I'm going to stay right. 29, right. you know, and that's, and that's it. And then you don't age because you can never hold on to that. Well, I think the secret is, and it's, it's disgusting, but women are having, you know, plastic surgery and little slight adjustments earlier and earlier. So it's not, so when they're 45... They don't just go and have one big thing and then walk out and look like the Joker right. from the first Batman. Um, but whereas they're having like you know little adjustments along the way that makes it like oh wow she looks refreshed. Yeah, that's my favorite word too. Did describe. you get more sleep? Yeah. Oh, you look refreshed, and it's really it's like no, you've been seeing you know little your little nip tucked off. I've had skin removed. Right. Uh, so she looks younger but worse, and then I made uh, sort of a uh, I said parenthetically here, this is what happens when Elvis picks you up at like fourteen or however right. old she was because yeah. that must be like. Oh, mentally she, in her head and she was so beautiful and and really was could not take care of herself i mean she was a child right and her i imagine her entire perception of herself is just really really messed up right well because it's like because she must be in some way i mean i say it as though i this though i know her innermost thoughts but i mean like almost stuck at that age right because that's what yeah because yeah. elvis sort of picks you up and immediately all what is it that Beatty says you know all concerns mollified all needs met right uh i noted here uh looks younger but worse immovable fish mouth so oh. she kind of has this trout mouth that doesn't really she's like sort of a she's like she's wearing a rubber mask of herself and so yeah. the mouth doesn't quite the halloween mask of priscilla Presley. exactly right and then my final things were just the, the, the little headline or whatever the slug at the bottom it says on the chiron i don't know why this struck me as hilarious it just said priscilla grieves for travolta's and I don't know why that just struck me because it was like apropos of nothing. Son? Yeah, but I mean, right. like they weren't discussing, like they were literally talking about like Elvis live Aloha from Hawaii or something. Mm. And it was like they show Elvis singing "Burn in Love," and at the bottom it's like Priscilla grieves for Travolta. So these, so these headlines were just additional thoughts about Priscilla that were just appearing. Fun on the facts. Oh, little okay. observations. Well, that's because Lisa Marie had made that public statement defending Scientology. Oh, uh, that's right. And how it wasn't involved in Jet's death and whatnot. Uh, final note, just for those playing the home game, uh, the uh, her Christmas tree was still up, just so you know. And this was in fact on Sunday. Now I think it had been, I think it was actually live too because it was his birthday. So just. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. She likes Christmas. Give her a break. Well, you know what? It's no being festive is not a crime, Stacy Wilson. <laughs> it's not. All right. Ladies I'm glad. Stacy Wilson joining us here in the uh, in the studio today. Hi. How would you rate your experience so far on the classic one to ten scale? In doing this show? Yeah. You know, just in terms of enjoyment. Ten being the best. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm hovering at a six point five. That's 6. pretty good, 5? right? Well, that's better than average. Yeah. Well, but it's not done yet, and I can't really measure an experience until it's been completed. <laughs> what could I do to make it better? Um, I, I think you're doing a great job. I'm sorry for my earlier. I, I don't. I didn't mean to make you feel. You know. That's okay. Don't think that I'm obsessing over it. It's not like I'm going. You know, going over it again and again you're, and again in my head. I imagine you're okay. Imagine you've had tougher, <laughs> tougher in studio. You imagine, you imagine that I'm okay. I'm sure that you're a nice guy. You know, it's some other. I'm sure your wife likes you. Somebody must. I. That's okay.
No, we've had, I mean, you know, we've had uh, guests in circumstances that were legitimately uh, legitimately challenging. Mm. Like so, Steven Seagal. Like Steven Seagal. <laughs> Good Lord, was he sitting in this chair? No, no, oh. actually he wasn't. He was on the phone, which you would think would make it easier. Because oh. then you can sort of like, you would think that that would in, in some ways like take the pressure off, right? Yeah. I don't even know if we have any of the audio. I think that's but this... actually worse because Steven Seagal has no personality. So by removing an in-person situation, you are foregoing any sort of. I know. just, but see, I didn't know that. Like oh, I'm again, oh. I'm you know, I'm a like I'm a I'm a tool. Like all I all I know about Steven Seagal is like Kelly LeBrock and th- and three word action title. You know, like sure. he's out for thing. Right. Uh, and ponytail. Verbing for noun. And. <laughs> And so, like, that was my like, Steven Seagal! And, of course, he's coming not as action Stigal, uh, star Steven Seagal. He was coming to town with his blues band. Oh. Because he's... That's when the downfall begins. Well, because the soul right. in that, you know, it's from here. It's, right. uh, he's, you know. And so I do this massive... We bring him onto the phone. And, of course, like, I, mean, you know, I was raised by the, by the television and whatever. And so I'm sure. just, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm an idiot. And I'm all getting disproportionately giddy about it. And it was, uh, as Giles once said... Uh, on Buffy, it was a big overture little show because I'm doing the ladies and gentlemen. It's gonna be the greatest interview in the history of the world of the ladies and gentlemen. The Rick Emerson show. He's the, I'm so excited. Steven's a girl. And do we have any of that, Sarah? Oh, we sure all right, do. This is. I'll just play you a little bit of this, and this is not a gag. Like it's not a radio a kooky okay. bit or whatever. This okay. is, we're not a. Yeah, but this is not that show. You're not into kooky bits. This here. is not. We're not like. This is not a DJ. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, giggle fest that okay. we're doing. So this is. Go ahead. Hi, Steven. Hey, how how are you doing, Steven? Doing good. Can you pause it for a second? Yeah. So first of all, <laughs> that's my that's my big and I'd done this whole you did this huge, huge like intro. Like, like, I can't wait for this interview to begin. And we bring him on, and it was like he had been so heavily sedated, there. and it was just sort of like the sound of steam escaping from he his was, mouth. He was in a closet at the Benson, like rocking back and forth while he was talking to you. <laughs> just and as as we go on, you will uh, because then as now we were all in one big room together. Oh man! And I recognize. It's going poorly. almost instantly that this, as Job would say, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm trying to like, and I look at Sarah instantly with this. Commu- and Sarah and I've worked together for a long time, and we have that communication sometimes between couples of whatever style. And I, sure. I look at her like, oh god, oh, god. oh no, this is. <laughs> but I can turn my microphone off. Right. So I'm just sitting there. Messing so you don't with have to them, be like... witness to the to the disaster. So I'm allowed to laugh in the corner, while which she does, which she proceeds to do, not even attempting to hide it. So I suddenly realize that. Oh God! Like I'm, I'm, I'm. This is real. I'm. This is actually happening. Oh, so, sweet so Jesus! So, what did you decide would be your next move? Here we go. I have no idea, but but keep in mind that while this is going on, Sarah is l- losing her composure with the microphone off. She's laughing, and you will hear me fight back the laughter while, it, while another part of my brain is going. Okay, what can we ask him? Oh, sweet Jesus! Oh God! Oh God! All right. So here we go. All right then. So I had this whole gigantic build-up idea the minute. Uh, and then, it, and then it was for nothing because you weren't on the phone. But that's okay. You'll just have to insert a fantastic introduction here. Okay. So uh, you're coming to uh, you're coming to uh, Dante's May 28th. You've got your new album out, uh, Mojo Priest. Now a lot of people, uh, Steven Seagal, they don't know. They think of you as an actor first, and of course a martial artist. And uh, they are not familiar with uh, with your history as a musician and what you do. What, how did you uh, how did you come to uh, uh, to be a musician? Is that something you've always done, or is it something that you kind of branched out into later in life? Well, I grew up uh, kind of in an all black neighborhood where people from the Delta had come to try to work in the steel mills, and um, across my road was uh, a family of. <clears throat> People who were great kind of Delta musicians, old folks. And I used to sort of sit on the porch with them, listen to the music, and 
and it was kind of, you know, guitars and horseshoes, and I'd play some horseshoes and get back up on the porch and listen to the guitar. That just kind of got into my blood. And like at a certain point, it just becomes indistinct sort of mutterings that don't form actual words. Anyway, and so that went on. What year was that, by the way? 2006. Uh, 2006. Let's okay. see, uh, June of 2006. And it just went on. It just became an excruciating, tedious hell. Oh, boy. How long did that last? Way longer Eternity? than it should have. I mean, in retrospect, says, I think... Yeah, the, the interview itself is eight minutes. Which, really, I'm surprised it's that, because yeah. it just seemed to never end. That's a long, that's a long time. And I think because I, at a certain point, I was trying to... I was looking at it as like this comedic bell curve. Sort of the Chris Farley method, where, sure. you know, kind of funny... Then not funny, then dull, then kind of funny, then hilarious, right. which it now has become. I know that the guys next door at KUFO did a Danzig interview, actually just a few months ago, <laughs> where he like flat out like hated them, and I think was profane, and what the F do you want? You called me, and it's a lot of like, I'm sorry, Glenn Danzig, don't beat my ass. So uh, I had an interview with J.J. Walker where it wasn't really him, but it was his manager who preemptively like, you know, don't ask him to say dynamite. I swear to God, if you ask him to say dynamite, the interview's over, and I will kill you and everybody you know. And he was like all like weirdly like angry about it, and I was like, I just kept sorry, I just don't know. And then I ended up, I went in all like emasculated by. And then later, I came out of the J.J. Walker interview. Wait, can I ask you what is there to talk about with J.J. Walker if you're nothing. not talking about dynamite? Nothing. Okay, nothing. just nothing. I mean, had, had he written a book or? Yeah, the answer is in the question there. There's. Okay. And you remove the dynamite factor, I mean, then you have nothing. There's bupkis uh, there. And and so I came out of the interview, and I don't even remember what I filled like seven minutes with. I mean, just probably me just going, um, <laughs> some weather we're having, J.J. Walker. Uh, and so... Was he in Portland when you were talking? This interview's a real good time. <laughs> uh, no, this is in Utah. Oh, and, oh. But, um, but then, but, you know, the interview sucks. And then, not only does the interview suck... But then you have like those endless long, uh, you know, what uh, you know, what Nietzsche would call the wolf hour, late at night, where you're sitting there alone with all of your thoughts and failings and thinking. Not only was that interview bad, but I let myself be emasculated by J.J. Walker's manager. I have to say, I'm impressed that in the span of five or so minutes, you've included a Buffy reference and Nietzsche reference. That's. I try to have layers. It's, it's neat. My many facets on full display, <laughs> which brings us to this email, Rick about Stacy Wilson. On a scale of 1 to 10, how flustered are you trying to impress Stacey Wilson? <laughs> Is that from my mom? No, it's from a listener, uh, presumably a non-mom listener. There was some sort of, it is from a guy, he says, there was some sort of tipping point where you became aware that she was aware that she's way above your show. This is one of those times, Rick, that the audience just wants to sort of tousle your hair because you're adorable when you try to impress people. And by people, he means women. Just saying. So there you go. Thanks that so kind much. of encompasses the entire experience of being single in Portland. Are you so, another single? I am. Media lady? Am. We, yeah, we had, um, what was her name? I'm sorry. Liz Hummer. Liz Hummer. Oh, yeah? Yes. Yet another yeah, yeah, young single mm -hmm. media lady as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what we have to deal with. With? At least we have, well, our semi-job. But I mean, when you say, <laughs> but I don't, I guess, uh, color me stupid. I don't understand no, how me, the but, email, what does that mean? In other, what is it, what, in other words, what in the email triggered that observation? Oh, oh, well, clearly I don't think that you're you're flustered and trying to impress me. Cause, really? No. <laughs> and if you are, you're doing an excellent job of hiding it. No, um, just sort of, you know, guys tend to not know how to handle the, you know, the Men sharp, fear you. The, you the can just say it. <laughs> Come on. The sharp, the sharp ladies. I know you're you thinking know? it. I know you're no, thinking no, that no. men are... I don't, I don't like to invoke fear in, in anyone if I can help it, but... But they're off. They're off. They're off kilter. They. 
sometimes uh, unsure. Some sure, as we all are. Yes. Yes. About how to <laughs> about how to uh, how to interact with you. Perhaps, and I'm going to stop right there because this is yeah. <laughs> Okay, I broke up with my boyfriend on the air last week. So. You did? Oh, yeah, so there's that. Yeah, I was oh, going to no, say, okay. really, the, we've had so many uncomfortable moments in the studio. Like, really? you're not even really, you're not even scratching oh, the surface, I'm, sister. You I'm don't fine. Even... I'm not uncomfortable at all. Okay, I'm just saying. I mean, just, you know, don't, okay. like, so don't, this, well, shall we... trying to invoke a false sense of decorum that this show has <laughs> never had. All right. Uh, Sarah, shall we, uh... Let's do, shall we do a watch and then take a break? Excellent. Let's do that. Uh, do sure. we have a, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with, uh, Stacey Wilson. And by the way, as we, don't let me forget, though, I want to make sure that we do uh, you know, like contact info, website, whatever it is, uh, you know, before we, you know, as we do this year. So people want to, uh, you know, they want to find out more about, you know, who is Stacey Wilson? They can, uh, <laughs> you know, they can do it. I'm still trying to figure that out, though. Uh, I don't well, I don't have clear answers, but I have inkling. Maybe they can help you on that journey of self-discovery. Okay, excellent. I mean, probably not. That's it's right. probably just going to be creepy. But, I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, you know. Oh, I've. Yeah. Look, you can't get gold without panning. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, all right. Uh, what shall we do here? Are we ever doing a watch of some kind? We have we have Bush, Bush Watch, which okay, um, Joy of Christmas, Geek Watch, and another Geek Watch. That was the Christmas Day one. What does your gut tell you to do? Christmas news, George Bush you know, news, Geek I'm, news. I I feel like there's everything that's going to be said about George Bush. I feel like we said it. Mm, I don't want to belabor it. I know it's going to be a real void, and I know we're going to miss it. And I actually I find myself kind of almost wistful for his you know the vacancy yeah. that will happen this year. So I feel like we should just let it go. You're going to move on from move that. On. In your head, um, you've disconnected. I feel like the guy's gone through a lot, and we've put him through a lot, and he's put us through a lot. It's just like we need to break up. It's a mutually abusive relationship. It's, been, it's just I think we're, both parties are fatigued, and he needs to just go to Texas and live a peaceful... Clear some brush. Yes, clear some brush, um, hang out with Laura and whatever they do. And you, you know what this is like with George Bush? I think you just you hit it on the head. Here's what it is, Stacey Wilson. This is... The thing with George Bush right now is like when you and your, uh, you know, whoever are breaking up, Boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Mm -hmm. You're breaking up. Uh, you've already divided up the possessions. And let's say, you know, they're the one that's going to move out. So all everything is in boxes, sealed up, packed, whatever. But it's like the place where, like, he's going to stay the next day, not not ready. So, like, one last night where it's like you've you got to, like, stay in the place together. You know what I mean? So it's like she's got some other place where she's going to live. Uh, but that's not till tomorrow. Like, at the place, like, it won't be ready, and they got to fumigate. It's a whole thing. Sure. And so there's this last awkward night where, like, I, so I'm going to sleep in the – do you want to sleep out? I could sleep on the couch. I, I don't – look, whatever. I don't want it to be weird. I just right. – we probably shouldn't sleep in the same – because I don't want to – you know, because you don't – I don't – why not – just – I'm going to go out, and then you just – one of you goes out and drinks yourself blind. Well, isn't that the movie The Breakup? That was essentially the plot of The Breakup. With the Vince Vaughn thing, totally. Mm, yeah. 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 So that's that's right. And you if know, we, we are. recall, they – they did not get back together at the end, which I really liked. I found that movie to be extremely sad and depressing, but also extremely good for the fact that there was no happy reconciliation. It was, it was very refreshing. It was very true to life. And it, it was. was like a relationship. That it I was. Had. And I feel I, that's how I feel about the about George the, Bush. About the Bush administration is that let's just let's just make this transition as you know. We've shed enough tears. Look, we're just going to go our own ways here. We both That's made right. mistakes. You said things. <laughs> I said things. We have a $3 trillion uh, war we can't pay for. Look, we're only human. Exactly. Let's just, uh, exactly. Let's just move on. That's the optimist. We? Well, like, you can never go wrong with geek news with this audience. Or the joy of Christmas. I don't know. It's a pretty good you one. keep pushing okay. the Christmas okay. news. All right, fine. All right. Are you I, obsessed with Christmas? I kind of like Christmas. <laughs> All right. Let, <laughs> well, I like the destruction that happens around Christmas. Well, look, well, I haven't and, even gotten rid of my tree yet. Well, Me and Priscilla are still on the I same I feel thing. like for, for us this past year was an absolute... Absolutely surreal Christmas with the frozen tundra mm. and plans. You know, people couldn't go anywhere. I was sort of holed up in my apartment in the Northwest, and my sister and I could barely get to our parents' house. It was actually kind of fun. 
it really sort of like stripped away kind of a lot of the nonsense I found. Kind and of idly wondering which of your neighbors you could eat if you absolutely <laughs> had to. <laughs> I, I never got to that point because I can walk to Trader Joe's, so oh, I never, well. I read, never <laughs> ran out of food. That's why I chose my apartment because I can walk to Trader Joe's. Fantastic. Um, but I do feel like we were sort of robbed of sort of a very full and complete holiday season. I feel like that by the time we got to Christmas... Uh, a relief, I thought. Well, then we were just exhausted. I mean, that was the right. thing, right? right? Like, it's not that you got... Like, if you get snowed in on Christmas, I guess that kind of sucks, because maybe people can't get over to your house well, or whatever. a bit more fun, but, and it's timely. And it's, when it's sort of romantic in a weird right. way. Like, it is sort of classic. Right. Whereas, like, getting snowed in, like, the third... Like, we were... We did... Uh, we were here on Monday the 22nd, and uh, Dave uh, Schmidtke actually came to do the news today, and we were astounded... Then he made it, not that he's not a game day player. Clearly right. he is, like the men of yore. But I mean, it's, but we were, Sarah and I were just like, well, screw it. We're just going to be here just to amuse, just playing Dolly Parton songs. Think about how hours. many listeners you probably gathered during those days because they had nothing else to do but well, listen to the radio. Know, it's a little gift we give to people <laughs> called caring. I know it's funny how we work downtown and everybody's at home because they couldn't get to their jobs downtown yet. For some reason, we were Some of us walked. Uh, well, that separates day. the champs from the non champs. We're game day players. That's, that's what I'm talking about, really. Yep. That's, uh, that's, where, that's where you separate the, uh, the stuff from the stuff. Well, it was funny because I, when I lost my job, it was Friday the 12th, and the snow started the next day. So it was as if the entire world became this frozen Arctic tundra, you know, the, the moment I lost my job. So it was, that's just how powerful sort of my absence, you know, could be at a place. Like you became that Mr. Bird's own. It was pretty surreal. It was, it was pretty surreal. It was, but it was, kind of, it was nice to have that distraction. Sort of like, oh, fun, snow is falling and... I'm not gonna think about stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. See, yeah. and I was all about to see when you were saying like you got you lost you. Yeah. Was it laid off, fired? Um, Somebody was, was making a distinction. It was Jamie Cooley. Jamie, yeah, Jamie a distinction. Cooley. I well, oh, you seem yeah. really obsessed with a distinction. I oh, I think there's an absolute distinction. Being, I figured being I'm fired not means paid. you have done something wrong and you are you're being asked to leave immediately. You are a very bad person. <laughs> yes. We would like and to. And I was I was not in that situation at all. I have good. Relations. Well, and, actually, if you don't mind not doing your Christmas thing right away, I mean, we should, no, I, no, we can just surpass the Christmas. So, thing. well, so what is the so what is the deal with with the Portland Monthly? So, how did that? Uh, so, I I've been a freelancer for the magazine for a number of years before being hired. So, I actually started a, a year ago this week. So, I was only on staff for about a year. Um, and there are a number of associate editors. I was just one of them. Um, and I think you know, I, I'm not privy to you know closed door discussions, and I was given no other reason besides we are restructuring and. Restructuring is the new, uh, that's the new streamlining. It is, it is. Which was the new downsizing. Correct. Um, And I used to work at Microsoft back in the the tech years, and there there was a reorg and a restructuring every single day, so I I get it. Um, So, yeah, so that was my last day. I had about five minutes to pack up and... And did they supply the box? Jump back into freelancing. Um, no, I had no box, but I did borrow a bag from a very spacious bag from a coworker. And I walked home in the rain, and you it was like, very dramatic. Really? Did you? Oh. And did you kind of? A, but you know, and and obviously you're, you know, look, obviously you are a. Uh, how do I put this? Um, I mean, like, clearly you're not, you know, you're like, you, you know, you, you're not going to have difficulty making your way in this crazy world. So I mean, you're no, not. No, and I've been doing this on my own for a long time. Yeah, so, so it's not like a thing where you got fired. I mean, no, obviously it sucks. No. no one, no one likes for anything to sort of no, go away. But it no. wasn't. So when you're walking home in the rain, here's the the thing about that is because you can at that moment, and in a way you can really only do this when you're a teenager typically, but sometimes you do get that third-person perspective mm-hmm. on yourself as you're walking, a lonely man in the rain, yeah. and a man apart. So it felt like a bad sort of scene from Bridget Jones 3 or something. Um, but See, it was fine. I mean, there was initial shock, but I I was very fortunate that I already had most of my freelance work in place and so see when you talked about how you're uh, you know with the, with the job ending and then the frozen tundra the next day i was going to go i wasn't going to go for the bridget jones route because then i'm just picturing you with like the uh, bunny ear flopped over which is awkward no. um but i was going to go the 
And she was Westerberg High's own little Eskimo. Because <laughs> that's what I do. That's in my mind. Westerberg High, that's from Heather's, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Well spotted. Thank see, you very much. You and I are much the same. Oh, that's just, that's the tip of the iceberg. We're all, uh, <laughs> you know, we're all brothers and sisters under the skin, Stacey Wilson. <laughs> Oh. That's kind of that's creepy. That's, yeah. Kind I'm of trying gross. to say Under the skin, I'm just picturing like a lot of skinned people. Like the bodies exhibit. <laughs> yeah. No, I think. Oh, yeah. That thing was creepy. Everybody looked like they were related at the bodies exhibit. They, they did. strip away the skin, you know. Little beef jerky family. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. I think I was. Okay. I don't know what I was. Three going a different direction. I'm an idiot. All right. Uh, what time is it, Sarah? Do we need the break? Yes. Okay, because I don't want to uh, get behind with whatever. So and I know that, Stacey, you said you have an appointment, so you might need to. Because you're going to um, Sundance. I guess I'm going to Sundance tomorrow to troll for celebrities and stand in long lines. and. Really? Um, what celebrities in particular are you going to troll for? Well, I think things are going to be scaled back this year considerably. Um, for What, what with the told. restructuring and all? Yeah, there won't be, like, as many big swag tents and people handing out free homes to celebrities, you know, just for the fact that they're a celebrity. Right. Um. I mean, who's less deserving of swag than celebrity? It really is just going to be like a taco Yeah, or exactly. All so right. I'm headed there tomorrow. Um, a friend of mine has a film that's in the competition, and I may do some work while I'm there for People Magazine. Apparently so. Parker Posey's always there, just kind of hanging out, doing I nothing. I think she... she I think yeah. she lives in downtown Park City. Right. So. Oh, and by the way, because I know this will be asked of me, uh, because the, uh, the people in the audience, and by people I mean guys between the ages of 18 and 44, uh-huh. uh, a constant question on this program for anybody, actually for anybody in the studio, is what celebrity uh, does so-and-so most resemble? I'm oh. saying, now have you ever been told that you look like somebody? Because i got somebody oh. in mind. Uh, well, I, actually a drunk homeless guy on the bus today told me I look like Sophia Loren, and I told him, I said, but she's like 80. And he was like, oh, no, 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 the old, the young Sophia Loren. In a good said, way. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So that was the most recent. I've been told a myriad people, and none of which apply to me. But they're all fairly attractive people, so I think that's nice. Oh, see, now I'm all, uh, see, now I'm gun shy. See, now you said no, that none of them it. apply to you. No, I would say just go for it. Sarah, what do you think? Do I, I say th- it or not? I say go for it. <laughs> as long as it's not Ricky Lake. I'm exper- <laughs> Why would I say that? That's I a weird little projection. <laughs> I've gotten Janine Garofalo, but that's only because I'm sassy. Guardian. I look nothing like her. <laughs> Um, and I heard Ricky Lake once a long time ago, when, but it was after she lost the weight. So that Do you believe yourself to be sassy? Did you just describe yourself in the third person as being I, sassy? I have a bit of a sass. Bit of a sass. More yeah. sauce than more sass than sauce? I, I would say equal parts sauce and sass. I was just going to say, and this, is, uh, and this is really not a sop to the geeks in the audience, really. Through, <laughs> I would say that to me, mm-hmm. uh, you look not unlike uh, an actress named Michelle Forbes. Michelle Forbes. Michelle Forbes, who was on, I believe, uh, Deep Space Nine, I think, was where the Star Trek franchise she was on. But she was also on Homicide Life on the Street, the yes. David Simon vehicle. And she was in Battlestar Galactica Razor, the miniseries. Oh, my God. Playing... You're such a geek. Thank you. Uh, and uh, she was play... she played Commander. What's her name? I, uh, do, I do know who you're speaking of. Yes. Yeah. So, and I mean, yes. you know, there are worse things in life than to look like Michelle Forbes. And an old Sophia Loren. And I'm a big nerd, so that, you know, you know what I'm a saying? A young old Sophia right. nerds, nerds love me. All right. They're my audience. Get in line, sister. Uh, All right, take a break. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. getting a bunch of Michelle Forbes email now. <laughs> I mean, not like from her. Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 
503-733-3970. Still to come today, uh, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, Don Taylor from Film.com. Um, oh, we got to do the. Uh, I got to give context to the sound bites. Did I read the thing from? Uh, did I read the thing from Stephanie Strickland? I did. Yes, you okay, did. Okay, all right, okay. I heard that. And then I got Alec Baldwin and uh, his uh, video game addiction or whatever, so, so we'll get to all that. Uh, so as we, as we sort of uh, prepare to move uh, forward here, so Stacey Wilson, so uh, I know, so you're, you are going to Sundance, you're going to do, uh, do that, and so... Mm-hmm. That um, was, that's sort of half for fun, possibly do some work for People Magazine while I'm there, but... Um, try I'm to just, stalk somebody while you're there. I'm going to do my darndest, but I'm really bad. I, I'm really good at spotting celebrities. I probably have the most keen eye for, oh, that's so-and-so, but I really hate bothering them because I know how much they hate it. Mm-hmm. I used to do a lot of red carpet stuff in New York, and they absolutely hate being approached, you know, by anyone. So it's going to have to be pretty stealth. But, on the offhand, but I'm not opposed to it. Not if, opposed to it. And I know that this never happens at Sundance. But on the yeah. offhand, you meet any struggling filmmaker who's desperately yeah. trying to pitch a project. Mm-hmm. You should claim to represent. <laughs> Someone, but someone sort of ludicrous, like not even Polly Shore. Like you could, you should claim Dustin Diamond. See, that I'm not I giving actually, that guy any more <laughs> no, I know. attention oh, no. that he deserves. So wrong. Here, here's what you should do: you should claim to represent one of the kids who is in Crisscross. My sister and I were just talking about Crisscross the other day. You know, that's uh, I can't even tell you that name, connection with but that I have the CD in a box somewhere. But here's how you would say it, and that's the perfect kind of guy to, to lie about and say mm-hmm. represent because nobody's going to know. And when they go, really, which one? You go, uh, not the Mac Daddy, but the other one, the Daddy Mac. <laughs> and he would love. I mean, is there a director attached? Did you have a treatment? He'd. I mean, I can't promise anything. I can't He's, manipulate young people like that. Oh, that's don't. not nice. You work in the media. You manipulate yeah, that's people. That's kind of evil. Manipulate right? people. That is all a little. Time. But I got to tell you, if you're a struggling filmmaker, you can't afford to go to Sundance. You're not going to be just walking around hoping to meet famous people. Yeah, that doesn't really work. No, unless you've taken a bus in from Salt Lake and you're just like sleeping on benches. But I did get a very intriguing party invite, um, inviting me to the after party for Mariah Carey's new movie. And I, I'm quite intrigued. In, other, in other news, Mariah Carey has a movie. <laughs> yes, and I'm still getting over Glitter, um, and I actually did watch that movie. So she will be there, and I feel like I must attend this just to see her in her little snow bunny outfit and uh, make fun of her in person would be yeah. great. Oh, all in like yeah. over pastel colors. Yeah, she has one in every color. Good. She has like white, red, pink. And that's a, well, you can just smell the crazy coming off of her speaking of crazy oh. people. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, that's yeah, a no, whole lot. She's very like that, that man child. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a whole lot of weird. Okay, I know exactly who you look like too, Stacey. It's uh, Annabella uh, Sciorra. Do you know who that is? She's no. at what that? That's actually the person I get most. Wait, no, hold on, let me see. Exactly. She I was, was thinking about this. She played Gloria Trillo on The Sopranos. Tony. No. Oh, I just knew her from what uh, Dreams May Come when she played Robert. Like, you know her from, like, the worst movie she ever made. <laughs> no, I like that movie. She was in Jungle Fever with Wesley, Wesley Snipes. I'm sticking with uh, I'm sticking with Michelle Forbes. I feel like I'm just going to, you know what it is? That's, that's like on The Price is Right or whatever. Or like Monty Hall. Would you like to trade it for door number three? No, I am standing on this soft 16. Well, I prefer Annabella only because I'm Italian and she is too, so I feel like there's a little that's bit That's not the a... woman who was all, like, the smacked out junkie with, with Christopher, was it? No, no, no. That's no. That that's was, a, that was, what's what's her name? That was Adriana's. This yeah. was she was. Um, no, no, no. She, Gloria the, was Tony's girlfriend. But what, who was the the realtor that was that that then ended up being a junkie? That was Juliana Margulies. That's right. Yeah. Okay, there you yes. go. This but is also okay. brunette. This is the woman who ended up getting set on fire. Did she? In the yeah yeah because she was Tony's girlfriend and she was making breakfast and her robe caught on fire. She died from that. No, I don't think she died, but she was oh. all kind of. You know, Gosh, I forgot that. It's all disfigured. Though. And there was all like Tony, like, uh, so I'm going to be real busy. Like, he's visiting her in the burn ward. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm going to be kind of busy. She's a bastard. Get out. <laughs> all right. Uh, if people wish to contact you, Stacey Wilson, uh, um, how do they do that? I Well, I'm sort of in trying to figure out sort of my new contact info website, that kind of thing. I think the easiest thing is I'm on Facebook. Do a search for Stacey Wilson, and you can send me an email. All and right. we can talk about Gilding of Lilies and 
and Touch. so forth. And so forth. And so, well, thank yeah. you so much. Uh, Thanks for, for having me. Love fun. All right. Well, travel yeah. safe. I will do that. so forth. All right, ladies Have and gentlemen. Have fun. Connect with lots of celebrities. I, I will. And it's funny. I'm actually writing a review of Big Love for Film.com. That will be published this week. And I, in the same week, I'm going to Utah. So I feel like there's some sort of synergy going on with me and the it's a little Mormon. bit of kismet yeah. going on. Yeah, All yeah. Right. Excellent. So I'll, I'll come back and talk about it. Stacy Wilson, cool. ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, James Roop. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I am uh, I'm dandy. Not so much fine, just dandy. <laughs> All right. Hey, so I was uh, given this sort of overview earlier that you got the two things going on today. You got the Roman Polanski, about which I care somewhat, and then you got the Super Nanny, about which I care not at all, but I trust you to make even the most tedious story interesting, sir. Well, the Super Nanny thing, what, what, what is the least bit interesting anyway, is that the producers of that show have come up with a new show that sort of reverses the whole, let's bring somebody in to help the family with the kids. Uh, let's find. It, it, this goes to let's find a family that can take in a troubled teenager and help straighten them out. Wait, so it, this it, is where you got some kid that's just a bastard? Yeah, it's, it's a fish out of water situation. It, it, they're looking for real straight, well-run, top-notch military-type families whose teenagers are well-behaved to, to host for a few days a, a rebellious kid. And there's two things that are going to happen. Number one, this this family is going to try and rein that kid in. And this kid's going to try and, hey, look, no one can tell me how to act. And let right. me show them how it's going to be done. The problem is, if I'm a family that's well-run and have well-behaved kids, I don't want to get involved in reality television. How are they going to find a family to do this? You know, Unless you've got a real ego situation with a particular military-type family. Hey, speaking of that. I, this is completely unrelated. Whatever happened to that CBS uh, uh, show? What network is doing this? This, uh, this is Super Nanny? Yeah, whoever. The, well, it's, it's the show producers. I don't know what network. Uh, because I was thinking about that. Whatever happened to that CBS show, that Kids Town show? You remember that where it was like CBS was giving a bunch of oh, kids? Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't they like get in a lot of trouble because... Uh, like some kid set himself on fire or something? Yeah. yeah, there was like some some weirdness where like a kid like fell off. You know, he fell off like a house or something. Um but I remember that someone who works here at CBS, who shall remain nameless, was pondering out loud the, the ways in which uh, she could uh, get her kids onto that show. Uh, just to sort of like, you know, just to be rid of them for a bit. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but no, I'm you with know, you. The only this. thing this works for is the family who can't handle this teenager. Right, exactly. You know, ship them off to somebody else for a couple of days, see if they can make some sense out of No, that's totally what it is. That's, you know what it is? That's a whole like, look, it's not going to cure anything. But look, we can't afford uh, boarding school and we can't afford vacation. So we're going to pack rip- the kid off. Yeah, it's another ripoff of a British show, too. It's being done in England. Well, also. everything sort of is. I mean, really, that's uh, back to the days of Three's Company, my friend. The British are really... They're the ones they create, and then we just uh, we bring over here, we buff, we gloss, uh, and then we uh, and then we exploit. We cheeseburgerize so, it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, in any event, uh, so so you got the two stories here. I mean, the one is sort of you know just weird, and the other is I don't even know that it's horrible anymore. It's just we were talking about it the other day where this Roman Polanski thing, but I guess now the woman and I and you sort of clarified this. You said that he had actually copped to the sexual assault at one point. But, you no, know, he pled guilty the, it was the, the the night before he was going to be sentenced. He left. Okay, see, and so because I, you know, and I haven't seen that the People versus Roman Polanski or whatever the hell it was, but I, so I guess I thought that he had not even really uh, pled guilty. But so the, the warrant has been out, and yeah. so they're saying the the woman, the yeah, then girl, but the the woman now who's at the center of the case. That I guess what her whole thing is just like let's let it be done, let's move on. Well, she's been trying to do this for years. I mean, ninety five she right. filed uh, a, a, a petition, and ninety seven she filed again. 
She's just saying, look, I'm not 13 anymore. Right. I've gotten past this. Every time this comes to the court's attention, all the focus is on me, my family, my friends, and it's you know it's got to end. So she says, if, Pol- if Polanski doesn't come to, to the hearing uh, to dismiss the case, I'm going to push for it myself right. at the right. hearing. And I don't blame her. But I mean, you can't really like they, they, they won't let you do that, though, right? Like if you uh, you know if you get assaulted somehow, and they, the cops, in other words, if the state is is all cranked up to file charges or prosecute or whatever, like you like it doesn't matter if the victim recants, you can right. sort of. You know, like everything just remains in effect. It's still the the charge was still there. He still pled guilty to it. Right. So as far as they're concerned, that's a conviction, and he has to serve his time. Seriously, it just doesn't. You know, I was just saying this earlier that I mean, there's all kinds of people in this world who die uh, too young, and yet <laughs> Roman Polanski. You know, he's like living in some French villa or whatever, the age of 75. I mean, God forbid he just gets run down by a horse-drawn carriage at some point, and you know, I mean, it just. It it really does seem like the universe just doles out uh, it favors and uh, you know and not almost arbitrarily. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, you know I say it's always it's always amazed me he's been allowed any films he he makes is allowed to be shown here in the U.S. See that's the other thing I always wondered about that I always wondered how it was that some like I don't know some group somehow didn't file a lawsuit against. Against studios like shareholders, I guess shareholders don't care because the only thing is the movie makes money. But you know, it's like that, that thing with uh, Gary Glitter, who admittedly is a somewhat different case. But you know, that business of Gary Glitter, yeah. he doesn't own his songs anymore. And one of the reasons I think that is because like they figured out that nobody was going to play like Rock and Roll Part Two because they didn't want their money going off to some guy with a hard drive full of kitty porn. Uh, so I've always wondered how it is that that you know that, that that didn't that pressure wasn't brought to bear on studios that were getting Roman Polanski to make movies. Yeah, you, you, well, you hinted to it a little bit. It was it, it's it's a it's money. It's about right, greed. Right. I mean, if they're going to make money, and and that's what keeps I think any celebrity or any movie star or any actor that that's what keeps them from not acting in a Polanski right. film because right. hey, that's money. Right. And you know, people, you know, someone's going to want to show this film. It's a Polanski film. Hey, by the way, we have this uh, Rick. Female says, don't you disparage the super nanny. I have a crush on her, especially when she lays the smack down on idiot parents who can't control their own children. The British accent also helps. Super nanny can discipline me anytime. Signed, a guy well, in the we audience. We weren't disparaging her. No, no, no. Just the whole, well, my whole thing, and I mean, this is, we're just we're selling way past the clothes on this, but it is the notion of parents saying, well, look, uh, we don't seem to be responsible, and we can't seem to make correct choices, and uh, all of our decisions as parents have really been ill-advised. Maybe if we go go on television, yeah. everything will somehow magically become better. I don't think so. No, no. And then it's just, you know, and so that's one of the, you know what it is? Here's what they ought to do. They ought to do some sort of a, uh, they ought to do some sort of a fake TV show. Have you ever seen the movie Sea of Love with Al Pacino? Yes. There's a great thing at the beginning of Sea of Love where they're trying to, like, bust a bunch of criminals. And I think that the, 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 way, the, the way they do it is that they put up... I forget exactly how they do it, but they but they put they they create like a fake uh, like a fake meet and greet session with some famous athlete, and they do it in such a way that they know it's in a place where a bunch of criminals hang out, and then they just wait for the criminals to show up, you know, because they figure that even the criminals want to get their photo taken with like Mickey Mantle or something, and so like as the criminals show up for this, the, like Al Pacino just steps out and just handcuffs them. Um, that's how I remember that they ought to do something like that. That happens here all the time. Really? Is that true? Is that, is that, that, that the thing that really the happens? They do it. They, the people who they can't find, they got warrants out on them. They get, they send letters saying, "You just want a television, you know? Come pick it up at this such and such a place." And they show up to pick up their TV with that little paper that says, "I want a television." I had no idea that oh, really it happened. All the time. Oh, that is righteous. Oh yeah. Oh, I love stupid criminals. I just love the idiocy of the criminal mind. 
That is so great. Oh, they got those kind of sting operations. Constantly. Did they ever film that? Why has that never been on television? It had, I've covered it before. I have got to see one of those. Cause Probably the, in that the dark period when I wasn't uh, able to call you. Because what is the uh, yeah, during the during the during unpleasantness? The dark period, during the... What what is so? What is the reaction from some guy when he shows up because he thinks he won a foosball oh. table and instead like the man is there to put him in jail? I mean, it's it's deer in headlights. I can't believe how stupid I am kind of look. That is so great. And, and, and yet there have been people, and I'll never forget this, there have been people that say, well, well can you send the TV to my family? <laughs> I kid you not. That's they thought wonderful. it was just a consequence that the cop was there to get a television, too. Like it's just a, like it's, it's happenstance that, oh, by the way, this detective with handcuffs is oh, standing right. Oh, you're here, too? Oh, man, how unlucky can I be? <laughs> I but, can't be that stupid, so I just must be unlucky. But can you send this Nintendo Wii to my loved ones? Exactly, man. That is so oh, great. Man, and, and it just, in in the door and out the door, in, I mean, it's and all day long, people just coming in. You pick up your television at 115, you pick up yours at 120, 120. But they ought to do this with parents somehow, where it's like, if you know, they ought to do some sort of a, like, you know, when when you go to get prenatal care or whatever, like, you know, like the Planned Parenthood, they figure out you're knocked up or something. But you want to just do some some crap like this, where it's you know like some some fake ass uh, reality show that just panders to the absolute lowest common denominator of parents, and then if you show up and fill out like the request, like the casting request form, like that's it, like the kid, like you don't get to keep that baby. That baby goes to be raised by you know that that, that baby just goes to some other family almost at random where it will almost certainly be better off. Really? Oh, there you go. I think we've just solved another of the world's problems, Jim Roop. <laughs> Are you on tomorrow, sir? Yes, I am. All right, my friend. Uh, hey, hey uh, let me ask you this real quickly. So, you know, Bush is doing his farewell speech on Thursday, mm -hmm. and then there's the Obama, the inaugural is happening on uh, on Monday. Are you? Did they have you looking into whether there's parties for either of those things? No. Um, the reason the reason being is that most of our local affiliates are going to be doing that, so they would rather I spend my time doing uh, news that nobody's covering. <laughs> uh, well, okay, well, fair enough. I guess I'll be chasing Polanski or... Specter or somebody like there that. ought to be that. They ought to be. You know what? Here, I'm telling you this right now. You could pitch this right now. Some reality show, uh, which is called Chasing Polanski, <laughs> where it's like, we seriously, th look that. Who's that uh, idiot uh, that's trying to re re uh, resuscitate him? The dog, the bounty hunter, the guy who was on tape with all the racist crap, the the the, 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 the you know just being like a, a bigoted jackass. Th that's how that guy ought to rehabilitate his image. You just send him overseas to kidnap Roman Polanski and bring him back here. There he you would go. Do it. He went down and got the guy in Mexico who was at the Max Factor air. Done and done. Right there. You just yeah. give that guy, outfit that guy with a camera, you know, and then he goes over there to the, uh, pardon me, Mr. Polanski. Yes, get in the bag. You know, and then she puts him. Get in the bag. Put, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, they're on an airplane. Pardon me, sir. What have you got here? Uh, Laundry? That's my Polanski. Yeah. It's it's it seems to be moving around. Uh, it's, uh, it no, that's just a vibrator. <laughs> There, it's not moving now. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Be like that scene at the end of Borat where he's just shoving Pam Anderson to the wedding bag, except it's Roman Polanski. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. It's just, and you just call it you just call it you just call it chasing Polanski. Get in the bag. <laughs> there you go. See the call? There you go. Worth it just for that, sir. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you so much. There you go. Hey, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Love that guy. All right, wonderful. All right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How's your day been going? Oh, boy, Rick Emerson. Anything you'd like to talk about? Why, is there anything you'd like to talk about? What do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? What do you suppose these people on hold want to talk about? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> so I'm trying to say it. Just say it. What? One of us has to say One it. What am I going to say? You know what I'm talking what about. What are you talking about? 
Shut up. What are you talking about? All right. What was the deal with Stacey Wilson? Okay. So I couldn't figure out if she liked me or not. And I don't mean in that end, way. I mean, the end, like, I think she, it was better. I think she flat out hated me for a while at the beginning. I, could, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not trying to. And let me be honest. We're not that we saw actually telling her during the break. It's like, you know, we we were telling Stacey Wilson during the break. Uh, you know, she sounded, you know, she sounded good and she was whatever, and, you know, not nervous. And, and she said, oh, I don't get nervous. And we said, well, you know, sometimes people do. And we had somebody. We won't. Did we already say who it was? Well, I said, yeah. it was Jamie. Jamie was Jamie Cooley when she was on. She's been, you know, Jamie Cooley's been off, off the air for a while. And she was really nervous. And Jamie just, uh, you know, which is like we've all, and, and I don't mean this is just a lie. We've all been there. Uh, everybody who's worked in radio has been away from the mic. And then you come back and you get, you know, you get a little, little anxious. But, you know, you're, it's just nervous to do it. You know, you get nervous to do it. And so Jamie Cooley was very, very apprehensive. She had a lot of anxiety about coming back on the show. And then, you know, it ended up being okay. Um, so we, we were telling her, Stacy during the break, we're like, oh, you know, you know, some people get nervous and you were great. You know, and I said, uh, and she, I said, even if you had been nervous, you know, it's not like the Stern show. We don't know. Let's see. We can make you cry. So I will say that as a preface to this. So it's not like the Stern show where as soon as somebody leaves the studio, like we're going to, you know, I have lots of gossip about that now that we're gone. But there was really probably no way to just address this while she was here. Cause I just, I think that she was so sort of, uh, I was going to say polite, but that's not even really the word. Like there was this, here's my read on her. I don't is, think there the was word like this, would be polite. I was, I guess, uh, maybe, how do I put this? I guess my thing is I thought well, let me just say, like, proper what, is the What word. I was thinking at the beginning of the show with her is not what I ended up leaving with. Was this like in the Steven Seagal interview where in the first 10 seconds I thought, oh, God. And then, but, well, I think it started off kind of poorly when she showed up at 11. <laughs> she was supposed to be on at noon, and she had a very tight schedule. Yeah, not and that's very actually... Very stoked about being here an hour early. Uh, there was a miscommunication, actually, because, you know, if you've been listening, you know, the, so we tell people typically to be here between 11. You know, that's why. That's why. That's why it happened. Because she showed up at 11, and we typically bring people on at noon. You know why it is, Sarah? Because we usually tell people, be here sometime between 11 and 11.30. And I think she just... Between 11 and 11.30, I think she probably interpreted... As 11, because that's the first time that's happened. That didn't happen with Liz. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, she was probably told somewhere between 11 and 11.30, and I think that transmogrified in her head into 11, which, of course, is kind of pointless because we're not going to have you until noon. So I think things started off badly uh, because she was here for like an hour and is flying out, as she said, to, to, like, to, to Utah. And so she's like, I got a tight schedule. When are we on? Not for an hour. Oh, why am I here now? I don't know. So I, there were, it seemed like there was a little bit of a, a chill in the studio for... Um, Oh, I would say the first half of her appearance here. I would say there was a sort of brittle surface politeness. It was just uncomfortable. It was and uncomfortable. Like, it, was uncom it was very uncomfortable. And there was I some... got a lot of emails to the point where people the... could understand. They were kind of picking up on that. To the, to the effect that, hey, it's, is it awkward where you are? So I, It was just kind of like you could obviously tell she had no idea who we were. Yes. And then, like, I'm wearing my dorky like i believe in harvey dent shirt and we're both kind of you know crazily and she's like meanwhile like gorgeous and proper looking and wearing like like heel like like heeled boots and like a really fancy like and she's one of those girls that gets like her hair done you can yeah. um, have like perfect makeup and stuff very very pretty girl i would just say well and you know and the the, the word i would go back to again uh for stacy wilson is um I would say proper again. That's the word I would go to because when you say that, you know, that she, you know, she looks, you know, she dressed well and she, you know, she's attractive and so forth. It, but it, it was something. It was kind of beyond that. 
it was not even really that. It was the certain. It was a, she has a certain kind of attractiveness, in that again, very sort of professional. Uh, you know, like hot professional, but, but at still. At the same time, I, I mean, all right. Well, for just speak honestly, I mean, <laughs> just say it. I mean, seriously, really she's not coming back. Like, who do we know? I mean, who who are we kidding? Yeah. She, she doesn't want to see us again. No, quite honestly, I was just I was getting uh, a little off put about how um, I just felt very. Uh, how she was talking down to you, and I, it's not going to be my place in front of you know strangers coming in here to do the news for, to say anything. But I was just for me, for me, I'm saying I was starting to feel very uncomfortable and. You know, you're my buddy, and I don't want people talking down to you. Thank you, Sarah. No, it was just, it, it was starting to kind of piss me off, even so much so that I went <laughs> I went to the uh, KOFO room, and I, you know, shut the room. Did you, uh, did I'm you go like, on the... What do you guys think? I'm like, how is this sounding on the air? And there's, and there, oh, I won't say what. Well, I'm just saying that the, I. I'm just saying the assessment that I was feeling was shared with other people in the building and in the world of the Internet. Yeah, and of course. And we, and of course, we all have our own uh, particular neuroses uh, to deal with, and so, uh, and so you, you know, and, and meaning that you, and so you're, you are there, and you know, you're, you're sort of getting. Um, well, I'm protective of my own. Like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You're getting sort of what's the word I'm looking for? You're getting like a not a proxy, but you're getting sort of. Um, like there are a couple times you and I are looking at each other. I'm just like, really, <laughs> so you're really getting offended and protective on my behalf. Uh, and then meanwhile, I am just uh, doing everything I can to try to sound uh, smart and funny and impressive. And that was clear. I know, you, have dro- you dropped more references than I have ever heard you. Drop. I'm trying to like I was trying to be relatable. I was trying to be on her level, which I felt I don't was think anyone many will thousands ever be on of her level. floors above our own. I can I just it, it, look and it now as long as we're just sort of being on. Do you ever just really uh, realize just what tools we are? Like no, no, but you know what I, I mean. I don't want to be like that. No, no, no. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in terms of the. Um, like, do you ever just, I mean, do you ever just really see it put into stark relief, just kind of what a hillbilly you are? And I don't mean you. I mean, like, do you ever feel that way where you're like, No way, and that's what I don't, I, I don't appreciate those kind of people who try to make you feel like you're a I'm, Well, I don't know that she did that. I don't um, know that yeah, she was... she just wrote and told me that she didn't want to leave her phone number for us. Really? Uh-huh. Ah! So don't feel guilty. Okay, never mind then. Yeah, so really? Is that true? Wait, Richie, come in the studio, please. I demand that you come in the studio now. All right. Well, I'm in the hallway going, no. All right. I'm just saying it's one of those things where it's like I can it's like I can just hear the hee haw theme going in the background of everything I say. All right, Richie. All right, now we'll see now see now that frees me to just to, to say you know to just to, to speak openly here. So she didn't want to leave her number. Well, you know I have to have uh, anybody who comes in the studio sign sign a release. She didn't want to put her address or phone number on it. <laughs> she wouldn't give it to me <laughs> because I was planning to go by her house later. Uh, so really? Yeah, you know how you have to fill it. Yeah. Out. Oh no. Well, that's the thing. By the way, just so you know, anybody who comes on the show here. Because the show is going to be on the internet and podcast, you know, archived or whatever. Anybody who comes on has got to sign a release, uh, which is just not for us. Anybody who comes on CBS, if you're a guest on CBS radio, you've got to sign a release so the legal department knows that they have your whatever. You've got to sign it and say, like, yeah, you have the right to stream me on Especially the internet. Especially if you're so big that you've written for People magazine. Hey, we interviewed somebody. Oh, no, Sarah. Peter Carlin used to work for People. You know, Peter Carlin, I have his phone number. I could go to his house right now. No. You got his phone number? <laughs> Uh, but it was signed and dated. What was, so was but how was, but what was the conversation exactly? How did the, how did she decline to give you her phone number and address? Well, I asked her if she had that thing and then the release and she you said hey do you have that release and she says oh I'm 
I'm not going to put my address or my phone number down there. Is that all right? And I'm like, well, you signed it and dated it. I guess that's good enough. I didn't want to creep her. I was like, no, I want your phone number. Was this, so this was after, wait, hold on. So they got to sign the release technically before they get on the air. Right. She signed and dated. But then when did she give you, in other words, when did this final conversation happen? Was it before she went on the air? After. Before. Okay. Well, so maybe she would have given you the address and phone number after the show. The part that I especially loved is when I get here an hour early and I'm going through every single news set I can find and pulling a bunch of news for somebody. And then I give it to them, and they say, wow, I wish that I had better news to read from. Really? I didn't hear that. I wish I had better news. Well. I'm just saying. I'm going to go get a hose. Okay, then. That's Richie just over something. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Well, there you go. Well, there is so no, no better I'm not news. To, no, I'm not trying to be some I should have given her the eyeball story. No, I'm not trying to be some catty girl, but it was just like that was uncomfortable for everybody and just... I don't like anyone being talked down to. This email says, oh, no, she full-on hated you, Rick. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate the fact that you were sort of being, uh, you know, uh, that you were being offended on my behalf. So that, you know, because I, because I feel that way when people Why do you are... think I rescheduled group for 105, my dear? Well done. Thank you, Sarah. That's right. You know what you've got, Sarah? My back. That's what it is. All right. Well, there you go. So needless to say, we probably won't be hearing any Sundance stories. Especially because she didn't leave her phone number, which I guess she could have rectified on the way out. Oh, no, 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 Richie, I've reconsidered. Here's my contact information. Please feel free to book me anytime. That's great. Well, it's always... It's that kind of girl in my life that just makes me feel dirty. <laughs> and not in like the... Not in the hot Charlie's Angels. No, right? not in the hot... Just, just kind no. of like... Yeah. Well, feel like there you a go. man. Well, see, and that's and see, I guess that's my thing. When, when I said that, I you know, said they feel like a hillbilly, that's probably the wrong way to put it. But really... I mean, look, who, who am I fooling? I mean, really, you know what it is? Uh, you, you know, I, when I'm not here, the vast majority of my time, uh, you know, is spent, uh, you, you know, like, uh, you know, like listening to bad uh, heavy metal and shooting zombies in the head. So really, I'm I'm not hobnobbing with anybody when I'm not here. Really, just Aaron. So, all right. Well, on that note, let's take a break, shall we? We'll come back after this. For the love of sweet Jesus, God Almighty. We could randomly poll everybody she talked to, uh, either entering or leaving the building today. Just get sort of a man in the hallway perspective on it. All right. There you go. Maybe we should have an Insta poll. Uh, with I think that's a bad idea. I think that's going to, I think that's a, that's ill-advised. Maybe we were listening with different ears. Maybe they heard something completely fabulous. I think I was just busy trying not to look dumb, which I think failed in almost every way. The, uh, not everybody can be the talking rutabaga from the California Ravens. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Now there's a whole poll over the show. No, there isn't. What are you talking about? I'm just saying. You're being dramatic today. I'm not being dramatic. You're being I'm completely dramatic. Not being, you're being dramatic. Your mom's dramatic. You're overreacting, Buttercup. I'm just saying I try to be nice. That's the thing. I'm Sometimes. An, I Today's a nice a... day. Some days I try to be nice, and then some days I don't take any BS. And today just happens to be your nice day and mine where I'm just... See, but that's what I'm saying. So I just, uh, I just, uh, 
I just don't know how to. Uh, I just don't know how to proceed. I feel all. Uh, okay, we have somebody in here who can do that job for you. Uh, hello, uh, Hi. Bobby, Fat Boy Roberts. How are you? I'm doing okay. All right. Well, in any event. So, um, <laughs> and I, I heard you guys. Let were... me just ask you. I mean, yes. just here's the thing. Like, and I know that I see. And here's the other thing. It's like because I don't. I know I now am that guy where mm-hmm. it's like guest leaves the studio and then immediately like whisper, whisper about the guest, which I don't. But the thing is, I don't. Just like, like, By the way, you made me fit, too, because like, are we going to talk about it? Well, because there was all this awkwardness. Just like you will note uh, that to this day, I try very hard. Yeah. Who, if there's a caller uh, with whom I disagree, or a caller who's like a, like a jackass in some way, yeah. I try really hard, except in extreme, ca- extreme cases, you know, that I don't, I don't ever just sit there and just kick the caller once the call is done. Like, I don't end the call and then continue to be like, and you're stupid, yeah. and you suck. Because there's, it's just like a thing they drilled into me when I was on. Like, you, you just don't. You just don't continue to rail on callers once you've ended the call with them. Well, so yeah. I so but as an outgrowth of that, and this is like the thing to to go back to something. I know it sounds like a long preamble, but this is like the thing with Jamie Cooley. When Jamie Cooley came in, and Sarah, I think in a bit of revisionist history, is you were claiming that I had contemplated whether to try to make her cry, which I don't nope. think is what I'd done. I don't think that's how that. Okay, well the way it went is because I was feeling I you know I was. Feeling really bad for her because she because she was a nervous wreck. She was a mess. She and did she not. She was having a really hard morning. She had called like five minutes before eleven, saying like, that I she, can't do it. Yeah, and... she can't come in because she's having a panic attack. Couldn't come in, so to like talk her down from the ledge there, and so finally got her in. And then you know Rick and I were talking. He's just like, man, he's like, I know that I'm a bad that I'm being a bad radio guy now because like anybody Stern or anybody like that would know that that was my that's thing. What said. You're like, yeah, but but it's t- it's 2008. And uh, the Stern shtick don't it doesn't even fly for Stern anymore. Right. The thing and you doing it once in this case right. where the woman was being so obviously aloof, mannered and condescending with almost every syllable dripping out of her <laughs> lips. That that's that is the sort of a uh, you know exception to the rule. Just because you do it this once doesn't mean you're that guy. Well, I'm just saying it's uh, I just, you're, but, you're not that but, guy. Just to, just, but to bring it from from the other thing back to this. Mm-hmm. So when Jamie had come out of the studio, and we should say that the show with Jamie actually ended up being really good. Once we got her, she just had to sort of you know she's been off the radio for a long time. Yeah. She was nervous, and uh, you know, and has gone through gone through a bunch of stuff. And and you know, so once we kind of made her, let her know it was okay that I wasn't. And I'm kind of all over the place. But what I told Sarah is, you know, when Jamie had first come in that day. And I'm using that as a contrast to this. When Jamie had first come in, she was in. She did the first segment with us. And Sarah and I, Sarah and I uh, have worked together long enough that we do have we have a lot like with you in court, probably. Yeah. Where it's all with the eyes. Where you oh, look yeah. at each other like, okay. And Sarah and I had that look like, okay. When we go to commercial, we need to go talk. You know, yeah. we need to go figure out what what the hell is going on. And so Sarah and I had gone to break. We went, you know, we went to the kitchen and we were talking about Jamie. We said, and I and I said, I, I don't think she can do the news. I don't think she. I don't think she's in a place right now where she can do the news hour the way that we would need her to do it. It's just she's not. She yeah. seems like she's about to fall apart. And you know, and and I and I said, I think I sort of jestingly I said, you know, I said if I was to lean on her too hard, I think she would probably just shatter like right in front of us in the studio. Mm-hmm. And I told Sarah something that I have felt it many many times in my radio career that I just don't feel. I really, I guess I really, do, I guess I don't have, I guess I'm not like, uh, uh, like network material or whatever, because, because a lot of shows, like a Stern type show, yeah. if seeing that Jamie was a little wounded that day, like would totally have just gone well, in, yeah, just saying, like, let's see, with her dad, Siri, it, like not having a good, day. yeah, and I mean unemployed and whatever, and totally would have just pushed her just to see if she could, if she would break, you would have auditorily disemboweled her, which, which I just, I just, and I'm not trying to say like I'm a good person and I'm like whatever, I just, but I just, it's just not in me, I just couldn't do it, mm-hmm. which is why you'll even now. Even after, like, I think, like, an hour and whatever awkwardness with Stacey Wilson, it's just, 
<laughs> I'm and I'm not trying to be like good cop where I'm like leveraging you guys into saying it, where I'm try, like I don't want it to be like I'm leveraging Sarah into into railing on her. Yeah. I just don't. I don't feel like I'm railing. It is no, it's, no, no. I don't. It, it's very it's it, very calm. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's difficult for me. I find it difficult to, you know, to do that to be yeah. like and it and it was awful. I wouldn't say it was awful. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was it was more uncomfortable in here, I think, than anywhere else. I don't know that I put I don't know. I can get the email, I don't know that I put that to a vote. Yeah. Well, I saw her out in the hall and I was like, Hello and she was like, Uh-huh. I don't even think she said hello back. I think she said She uh-huh. answer in parcel tongue. <laughs> See, like that's how I can thing. be mean. See, I can be mean like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with J.K. Rowling's words. Yeah. Use J.K. Rowling's in a words. Coat of puppies. <laughs> uh, so, um, anyway, well, I just did it sound did it sound awkward where you were and from and and when? Like, was it immediate? Um, yeah, it was immediate. Um, I don't quite get the sense that she thought she was above the show. Um, and I know that was sort of a concern of yours, but it sounded more like she felt she was, uh, above this somehow. Like, like I, radio or yeah, may, maybe radio, maybe radio. But then again, she agreed to do this. So I don't know. That's the thing that, that threw me and made me get increasingly annoyed with her was if you agreed to come in here, how do you then not try to make it work as hard as you can? I mean, you agreed to this. It's not like no one's paying you. No one forced you to sign up and come in here. So when you come in here, why would you then be as prickly as possible? It was like listening to a cactus read the news, just stabbing you. I mean, she was stuttering over stuff. She would get a news story and pretend like it was beneath her to read. Like, she totally skipped that Bush story. I think we're That is true. I forgot about that, actually. Let's do a Bush watch. No. No. I think we're beyond that. and Yeah, we're I, beyond it because, you know, Inauguration Day is just you know, a week away. I mean, everyone in the news legitimately is running a, you know, a look back, a and look forward. And the Bush forward. Watch is fantastic. I know there are still good Bush stories just because you think that you're too cool for the room to have a, a good Bush joke go over. At this point, Bush jokes are equal to me with fart jokes, and those have no expiration date whatsoever. They are timeless. They are timeless, and Bush jokes will be the same way. And for her to just kind of go, uh, no, I don't. I, th- I think we're all above that here. Well, no, no, we're not. I'm and above almost nothing. Yeah, you maybe we can have Don Taylor call. read the Bush Watch later on. Maybe. No, I, you know, and I. It's, it's so hilarious. And yeah. and the way she was trying to justify her snobbery about it was just stupid too. It didn't make any sense. It sounded like a dumb person trying to be smart. Like I'm not saying she's a dumb person. No, I'm not saying she's a dumb person. Well, okay, well, she sounded dumb yeah. there. For as much as you thought, <laughs> for as much as you thought you were trying to sound smarter than you were. Yeah. Her trying to deflect it made her sound dumber. I can't. I'm, and and I'm. I don't know what we're worried about saying it for because what's she gonna do? Write about it. Uh, what 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 are we worried about wow. here? Wow. Uh, uh, left a mark. Not so much here or here, but the uh, there. What? I was, uh, the, she wasn't covering us anyway. When I, was the last time you heard anything about Rick Emerson in Portland Monthly? When she well, my name's that. My yeah. name doesn't rhyme with Aria, so I'm and not really gonna be in the Portland in Monthly. When we were um, when Greg yeah. and I started the morning show. And Seriously, yeah. if like if I mean really, if I had boobs and I was in a Batman uh, you know uh-huh. suit at my wedding, uh, they'd cover me. Which I don't <laughs> say is a disrespect to Daria. I love Daria, but I mean I'm just like that's. That's, see, and I guess that's my thing. Is I and maybe I have. Uh, in fact, I know I have. When Sarah, when I, when I was, I guess trying to project my own weirdness onto Sarah earlier. Because yeah. that never happens. <laughs> when I was saying, well, when I was saying that, you know, like, don't you just feel like a hick? Because that's because that thing. Because it is so easy yeah. to make me feel just like a dumb hillbilly. Well, I mean, me like too. with you almost like some kind, some kinds of girls make me really 
you know, just like. Well, and there's and there's always a risk that maybe sometimes you're seeing that where it's not really there. Right. I mean, there's always. I mean, I can see that's probably why you're being nice because you're like, well, maybe she isn't. Really. Well, and I'm not trying to, and I'm I'm certainly not saying that she was trying to make me feel that way. No. But as my wife would tell you, I am uh, even at this advanced age, uh, at this point in my life when I'm supposedly, you know, you know, I should be mature and everything. I am incredibly sensitive to, to uh, issues of class. Yeah. Even now. Uh, and it's like, and it takes almost nothing mm-hmm. for all of that just to go and just come out of me again. Well, so. maybe, I'll, okay, maybe she wasn't uh, trying to make you feel that way, but to anyone with two eyes and, and ears, they would know that it was happening anyway. Yeah. And maybe try and alleviate some of the awkwardness, but it seemed like she was just more feeding into it than anything. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's what it sounded like back there. Um, I know Lisa Wood and Big Jim were also at random going, what the you know, those strange noises that when you would type them into a, uh, a search engine would come up as WTF. Yeah, Lisa wonder... did send me a message. It's just like, a six? A six? She gives the show a six? She's like, what the hell? Well, and I mean, like, I kept, I kept so, trying to sort of, like, diffuse the awkwardness by asking her if she was, like, you yeah. know. But, I mean, I did everything but just say, like, are you just hating this? Like, I yeah. just, and that was my thing. And I think, it, you know, I am, I don't say I'm passive, but I try to be sort of, uh, you know, I try, well, I try. In other words, like I didn't want to just come out and say, like, do you, do you, like, are you hating every minute? Would you rather, like, yeah. do you hate this? Is, is this? I mean, are you? Is this torture? But, but I did cloak in a little bit of like, how awkward is this whole thing for you on a scale yeah. of one to ten? You know, I try to wrap everything in comedy because that's you know my well, yeah. deal. I'm just reflexively like covering, covering with jokes and give but, her an out to to let her off the hook by saying, well, that's just you know, it's just oh, our show, so yeah. it's okay if that's the deal. And or just to go like, yeah, no, this is a one. And a bad idea, Rick. And I would have gone like, you know what? Done. Fine. So let's take a break. Nice to have you on. See you later. Mm-hmm. You know, b- best. Uh, so this one says, Rick, in addition to the kerfuffle with the time Stacy showed up, is it possible there was a mix-up in the preparation for the show? I'm not sure if media icons receive a packet or description of the show before they come on, like something such as, hey, the show's a lighthearted romp through the news of the day, serving as a springboard for witty observations and referential tangents for the host. But I think there may have been a mix-up. Could Richie have given her a how-to-converse-with-simple-minded-vagrants-without-provoking-them document instead of the one she was supposed to receive? <laughs> Good so. Lord. Yeah, so there you go. And well, then, I, But then, of course, you realize you're into the retarded. I mean, we might as well just... Richie, is this Katie there? Is it 2 o'clock? For the love of Jesus. Let's get to Katie. Okay, Katie, Daryl, I apologize. We'll get to you in just, just one second here. Sorry, Katie, we've had a bit of a day. I swear to God, I thought it was one thirty for some reason. No. I, wow. That's, yeah. Wow, wow. Behold the power of suck. Um, so, but, but my thing is like, and then I realize I'm in this retarded position where I am trying to, where I am then trying to put a, like a sophisticated, verbose yeah. sheen on the fact that we're doing like penis stories. Yeah. Like about, I'm doing a story about a scrotum and I'm trying to be all like high minded and like flouncy about it. Like that's going to sell that to somebody who just thinks this, the news is stupid anyway. Well, I mean, did she have any conception of what the show was about before she agreed to come well, on? Well, to be fair, I don't know. Byron I may have Byron, just gone it's, like, it's fabulous. Yeah, uh, I think it was through Byron. And, oh. Uh, well, still though, don't Well, Byron hangs out with the pretty people too, so that's why. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there are pretty people who can play. Byron can play. If Byron yeah. can play and they're friends with Byron, then she should have been able to play along. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Just being one of the pretty people isn't an excuse. All kinds of nasty stuff happens with pretty people. We've seen those videos hit the web. Uh, you're a good person. Why, thank you, sir. Uh, there you go. Bobby right. Fatboy Roberts, All ladies right. and gentlemen. All right. Hey, don't forget to come in and plug Battlestar later, like in the week. Oh, indeed. All right, there you go. Uh, okay. I forget. Did we get Katie Darrell intro music? I don't remember um, anything. My brain has just turned to goo. I'm not sure. I don't know. Hum something. La 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 la. Wow. Katie Darrell from TMZ. Hello. Hooray for how 
Hollywood. Oh, see, I'm so glad you're joining us today. Really, this is just like a, this is a sorbet taking all of the ick of the previous hour away from me. I love it. How, mm. how are you? I'm Katie Alice. Yeah, how are you? How are you, Katie? I'm really, and please, I don't mean for this to sound creepy, but I'm really glad to hear your voice right now. <laughs> We've had, we had, there was some issues earlier in the program with somebody that I don't think liked me very much. So, you know what, I'm trying not to be mental about it, but I'm failing at that. So, in any event. You know what, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, as usual, I've always got an array of bizarre stories that usually will keep us uh, pretty entertained and try and get our mind off of the other things in life. Hey, so. before we talk about that, uh, so what is, uh, I mean, is uh, I mean, at this point we've kind of done the, the recap of the Golden Globes and whatever, but I mean, is there anything, uh, any sort of particular uh, TMZ slant or your own kind of take on the on the Golden Globes, anything I might not have heard about? Mm, nothing spectacular. We ran into uh, Tina Fey at the airport. Um, she was waiting for her bags, and so one of our camera guys were talking to her, so we got the video at TMZ.com, and we asked her if we could see um, her Golden Globes. And we weren't meaning it in a sexual way whatsoever. We really just wanted to see her Golden Globes, but it does come off a little creepy. Excellent. But she says that she doesn't have them. They're in her suitcase. We offer her a dollar if we can see it, um, and she says, uh, no way. She's not going to give it to us. Uh, then we run into Tracy Jordan from 30 Rock, and we see him, you know, and we're talking about the Golden Globes. Right. Uh, we talk to him about Charles Barkley's arrest and um, all that stuff. So we've got, like, a lot of recaps of all the stars leaving and heading back and flocking to the airport. But uh, nothing really groundbreaking, just kind of interesting. You know, it was all worth it just for the Golden Globes uh, thing. There, It was all that. It made, you know, Tina Fey. That, was, that made the whole thing worthwhile. Uh, <laughs> what else is going on in the world of TMZ? What news stories are you thrilled and excited about? Mandel story, you know, he's from uh, Deal or No Deal, right. and uh, he uh, was rushed to the hospital, uh, apparently, because he had an irregular heartbeat. He did, like, a check checkup. The doctor had said, well, we need to check out your heart. He then went to the hospital complaining about heart problems, um, and all this is coming down um, this week, but what's really interesting is that on Friday, he was on Regis and Kelly, and he admitted to Kelly that he was a hypochondriac. So it's just kind of interesting that all this would happen, you know, these heart problems and going to the hospital and checking yourself in after you've admitted on national television that uh, you might be uh, making it all up in your head. And needless to say, he did get released from the hospital and he's back at work today. So it quite possibly was all in his head. Don't you get the idea, though, that you can already – here's the thing with Harry, and I, don't get me wrong. I wish him a long life and, you know, whatever. He's a great – I loved him ever since he was on St. Elsewhere back in the 80s as Dr. Wayne Fiscus. I really – I loved him from Bobby's World. Hey, he's a funny guy. He really is. And, and I don't mean that in a snarky way. He's a, you know, I wish him all the Best. But I'm looking forward to however, you know, many, many, many decades from now when Howie Mandel leaves us and he passes away. Can't you already see that basically his whole life is just a lead up to the moment like when they put like a rubber glove on his on his uh, headstone and then like blow it up. I mean, that's it. They're going to put like a big medical glove on his headstone and like and inflate it. And there you go. That'll be it. And That'll you know. be it. You know, maybe they'll make like a giant like hot air balloon type thing that then like floats over yeah. and everyone bows their head. Well, so, you know, you know I guess there are worse legacies uh, to leave. Uh, what else is uh, what else is going on? Hayden Panettiere is. She's a hot young chick, the cheerleader from I, Heroes. I do indeed. Well, apparently, uh, over the holiday season, she was in Suffern, New York. She was at a nightclub watching a concert or a band perform. It was a 21 and over club. Apparently, someone, like one of the bouncers, saw her in the club and was like, hey, come here, little missy. You look like you're under 21. Let me see your ID. Apparently, this guy didn't know who Hayden Panettiere is, um, which I don't blame him. Um, so he looks at the ID, sees that she's under 21, because I believe she's just now 19 right. um, or 20. And so he uh, basically kicks her out of the club, 
confiscates her ID because if you're under 21, apparently you can take the person's ID if they're in the 21 and over club. Right. I thought that they could only take it if it was a fake ID. It wasn't a fake ID at all. Um, but then Hayden Panettiere called the cops on herself because she wanted to get the ID back. So she called the cops and was like, hey, um, listen, yeah, I was in this club and I wasn't supposed to be, and they took my ID and, like, I want it back. <laughs> so the cops showed up and got her ID back for her, which is fabulous. I honestly don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I guess there's a little moxie there. I mean, I guess that takes stones. I mean, it does, because I guess in her defense, uh, she probably got to argue the, I didn't, as long as she didn't sneak in, as long right. as she's just like, listen, someone let me in. Uh, uh -huh. I don't know which one of these guys, I'm not throwing them under the bus, but listen, uh, just, I just want my ID back. I'm going to go. And like... she wasn't drinking, by the way. Uh, we did find out that there, there's no footage or anything of her being drunk or being sloshed or anything. So she really was just enjoying the music. That's like when you get those stories about like a guy who calls the cops because somebody shorted him on his weed. You know what I mean? <laughs> I paid for a quarter. He only gave me an eighth. i got to call the man. So. Yeah, exactly. Someone stole my unregistered gun. Uh, I'm going to want that thing. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Katie, there we, uh, if, if you don't mind, I, I was uh, I was forgetting to give this out. What is your uh, what is your website if folks want to go find out more about you? Uh, my personal website is katiedarrell.com, um, and then obviously uh, you could probably uh, track me by just Googling Katie Darrell, but I mean it just seems like it's going to bring exactly. the same place. K-A-T-I-E-D-A-R-Y-L.com. That's, that's it. And uh, don't forget to watch TMZ television tonight at 6.30. Have I got that right? Yes, that's all right. All it. You're, uh, on top, you're, you're on your game. I have a TiVo, so I always get the I always get times wrong because I just go home and it's just there. It's just it's just sitting on the box. So. I know. Yeah, you and me both. So yeah. I hear you. Well, Katie Darrell, have a fantastic rest of the week and weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, talk to you then. Thank Bye, you. guys. All right, there you go. That's Katie Darrell. Listen great to how great, listen how pleasant that was. Like it's like it's difficult. Sorry, sorry. You know I love you, Sarah. I'm not trying to like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not trying to uh, to make you appear to be the bad person. Oh, I know I'm not. I'm just, uh, I'm just reflexively trying to make everything all right. You know what it is? This is what, uh, this is what one of my old high school shrinks would have called. Uh, this is me being the family mascot, just constantly trying to make everybody get along. How can I make this problem go away? Look at me, I'm funny. All right, back after this with Don Taylor. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Well, all right, then. <sighs> it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming, guys. 503-733-2970. All right. I, uh, I realized that today was the day we were actually supposed to do the, uh, the Milwaukee slogan thing. But I don't think I can do it today. Today I feel more closely I than like ever. I the theme has made itself today. I feel I feel much more bonded with all the people of Milwaukee today, Oper operating as they do at a lower strata of society. I feel like we only do have a beer at the water trough after the show. Seriously, I mean, I need like I need to go twang a banjo or something. All right. I don't know. None of my doing that there radio. I'll uh, I'll just sit here and uh, get with the gum flapping while you write for People Magazine. All right. In any event, it's 503-733-2970. I don't know who any of these people in hold are, so we'll just sort of figure Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey. How you doing? I was going to call a couple hours ago for a bush watch, but that lady who had uh, kind of put a downer on that. Yeah, she opted uh, not to read the bush watch. In the spirit of the vitriol of all the feelings over the last few years with Bush, yes. I think Thursday night during his farewell speech, we ought to organize a shoe-throwing party. Across the country, everyone throws shoes. 
at what? Uh, you haven't really at, thought yeah, this through. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's Where are you at, sir? I'm in the car and my wife just hopped in. Okay. Uh, how's your Good wife part. doing today? She's okay. You want to talk to her? Sure. Why not? Okay. Hold on. Okay. What's her name? Yeah. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, you're on the radio. Who might this be? This is Pat. Hi. Is it Pat? Pat. P A T. Okay. P A T. I've talked to you before. All right. Hello, Pat. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I am dandy. Uh, so is this your this is your husband uh, with whom I was just speaking? Yes, that was Tom. All right, Tom. Uh, Tom was just suggesting uh, that on Thursday we have a in honor of George W. Bush leaving office and his farewell speech on Thursday that we have a shoe throwing party. How how do you feel about that idea? I think that's a great idea. All right, now what would we do? I, I guess here is what Tom hadn't really figured out a second step. It was sort of a get together, show, throw shoes. B nothing. So. Where would we throw the shoes? Would they be at a person, at a screen? Would they be at a thing? Would they be our own well, shoes? I'm thinking if you have, like, a life-size cutout with his face on it. Oh, hey, so it's like sort of a pin the shoe on the face. Yeah, exactly. Hey, that's and actually, you, you know, the shoe on the face. Here's the thing is that's actually not such a bad idea. It would be like that cornhole game where you throw the beanbags yeah. through the hole, but it would be yeah. like George Bush's head and then the shoe. Exactly. It would be like cornhole, but you're using George W. Bush. And if you had miniature shoes, almost like baby shoes, you could put Velcro on them so that it, and Velcro on the, on the Are you just making this idea up? I mean, is this coming naturally to you in real time? Yeah. Yes. I would say you're a, you, you are a bright woman, Pat. I'm a nurse. Have, I have to improvise. Have you ever thought about writing for People Magazine? <laughs> no, not really. Okay, just checking. <laughs> Uh, all right, because I hear they're always they're always looking for uh, they're always looking for smart folk. All no, right. you guys are so much better than I could ever be. Oh, now Pat, oh, no. today of all days, we know that's not true. So, all right, well, Pat, thank you, so much, and thank your husband as well. Okay, we all love right, you, you too. Uh, thank you, we love you as well. You call us anytime. All right, well, there you go. Hey, Don Taylor's here. Hey, how are you today? I'm good. Although uh, I also have to make this really quick. We need to like you know work this into my schedule because I also have to jet off. Are you going to Sundance as well? No, I just like to get to Fred Meyer when they first put out the meat with the expired expiration date. <laughs> I saw some pork chops last night that were right about to go over, and uh, I got to get them. that day old bread ain't gonna keep. Exactly. I got to get me to buy him. All right, let's get these other uh, phone calls here, and then we'll find out what's uh, what is going on in the world of uh, Don Taylor and so forth. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, what's going on? How hey, you doing, man? how are you doing? All right. Hey, um, sorry to be redundant, but I, uh, I, I'm sure you talked about it yesterday. I can't listen on Mondays. Um, you, on your website, you said there's like some major format change or something happening. Uh, no, no, let's be very clear about this right now. No format change. No format change. <laughs> Uh, and I, we know. <laughs> no, I mean, they're not going to tell us about that anyway. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that would be a thing that I would find out about this. You and I would find out about that at the same time, sir. <laughs> you and I would both be looking at the radio going, oh, come on. Ah, crap. Uh, no, no, no. And I apologize for not actually updating my website. Uh, the announcement yesterday, and we're going to be, uh, you know, the, the, you will be, uh, you'll hear kind of things throughout the evening about this. Uh, we, uh, Phil Hendry has rejoined the lineup here. So the Phil Hendry show, which was, you know, Phil Hendry was, um, he was, you know, a KFTK at Max 910, and then he was actually on AM 970 kind of for, for a few years, and then he retired from radio. But as is often the case, uh, the lure of the microphone was too strong. So Phil Hendry has returned, and he is now uh, in evenings here right after the Michael Mara show. So it's Michael Mara, 7 to 11, and then Phil Hendry uh, at night starting at 11 o'clock Monday through Friday. So the Phil Hendry show has returned. That is, in fact, the big announcement, sir. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Bye. All right thank you. There you go. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hey, Rick. Hey. Um, really quickly, a couple things. Yes. One, I noticed that she said she was single. Uh, I don't wonder why. That's you uh, saying that, sir. I didn't say that. No, I, I mystery solved. 
second, um, Richie and his psychiatric hospital record. Yeah. Dude, you should get a hold of those and read them on the air. I don't think <laughs> that's a great idea. Wow. Don Taylor's reaction was worth this whole thing. I don't uh no, I think that's a thing that you can't do. I don't well, know most that they'll sensitive caller ever. Yes. No. Be... Last but not least, Joe Arpaio, the sheriff down in uh, Arizona, uh-huh. is doing a new reality show where he sends out those you've won a free TV and then the people come in and get busted. Really? And then they get busted sea of love style. Yeah. That is fantastic. Excellent. Is that the, now is that airing now? That is coming up in, I think, uh, March. I am March. all over that. Thank you for the heads up, sir. Okay, thank all you. Right, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Excellent. I, I, I don't watch a lot of a, of uh, reality TV. I just like the ones where they do things like cook or design clothes. But uh, VH1 has a show coming up, and it's one of those ones where you know that no one who was cast on the show had any idea what the ultimate title of the program would be. Right. Because it's one of those, we turn ordinary doofuses into, Skank wars. into gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. And and the the name of the show is Tool Academy, <laughs> which is starring Peter North. Uh, I just I just love. Oh, that, that was the other thing. What I you know I'm sorry. Now see now here's I'm just saying it's funny the thing that I'm seizing on. I'm sorry. Don, I didn't mean to disregard <laughs> your whole thing. Tool Academy makes me think. I was thinking it's like something like a porn title. That made me think of Peter North. And then and then I was like you know when David Walker who I was trying to I was like maybe she doesn't like me. Maybe she'll like David Walker. Maybe I'll name drop like somebody that she does like. Everybody likes David Walker. Even people that don't like him kind of love to not like him. And so I said, well, I like him. Well, you know, Stacey Wilson, uh, when I was, uh, you know, when, when David Walker was here, and I think I added extra, like I sort of underscored his name verbally. I said we were talking about the, you know, the uh, Christy Canyon uh, or whatever. And, you know, maybe not like that well versed in porn. But clearly, the context of it made it clear that it was a porn actress. I said, well, we're talking about aging porn actresses. For example, Christy Canyon. And then she said, I don't know who that is. And I was like, I just told you, she's a porn actress, for the love of God. Which really does, this one says, this email says, Rick, ask me my opinion, please. Okay. I noticed a chill uh, right away. It was like she was trying to put a period at the end of your sentences before you were even done speaking. (laughs) I thought maybe you'd touched her or something. Uh, So, no, sir. No, I don't think that would ever. No, that's uh, that's a thing that I've that. No, no. I saw no. No, touching. no, no. Well, I came in here. I was I was on on my way, and I was prepared to. Uh, when did you start listening? When did you hear from? Um, fairly early on. I was listening to it oh, when I was so. still at home, and then I was listening, and there was a point I was like going, oh, well, first, like I said, I was hoping <laughs> she wouldn't be here when I got here. I was like, oh, God, gonna have, she's gonna be there. And she just there was this thing about her that she just reminded me a little bit too much of girls that. I didn't like in high school, so that made me nervous, right? Because women like that always tend to make me feel a lot like Jack Klugman. So well done. And so, like, that is exactly how she made me feel. Like I'm just looking. She, I can see her looking at my shirt, and I'm like noticing like I had stains on the arms of this, and I'm just like, I, I had a high school flashback. Like, oh my god. I, so I was prepared, and I had all of these snotty things I was going to say, and then she said she w- was writing a piece for Film.com, and then I went, oh, so that kind of makes us colleagues. I yeah, can't say anything. Yeah. Oh well. Well, you know, I mean, I, you know, those, you guys are very similar. I, <laughs> I can see why your colleagues, you have a lot in common, Don. See, she looks like she, <sighs> she seemed like she could be sassy and cynical, but she, I think she's a step over that. I think she, something has made her jaded. Yes. Like she doesn't. It, it's not funny anymore. It's like, it's like more the mean. She doesn't know how to love. 
I think someone uh, I think someone needs to teach her the restorative power of you know I don't even care enough to finish this this like stupid fake movie trailer thing. I'll tell you, Rick Emerson, I never feel like I'm slumming when I'm here. Well, thank you so much. I I guess I don't even know what's a compliment and what's an insult and what's not today. I just don't even know. And I was with Sarah. I started feeling a little protective when yeah. when she got. Okay. A little... She was like beating you down a bit. I was. Thinking... I know. I'm like, how long am I going to be able to take this? And that's finally when I'm like, I'm, that's it. I'm, I didn't even tell Rick. I'm like, I, I rescheduled Jim Roop for 105. Because yeah. he was supposed to be on 205. It's like, no. Cannot take this anymore. It's just <sighs> getting worse. Yes. I was, uh, you know, I was I was attempting to, uh, I was attempting to play through the pain. But, yeah, it was just, um, you know, and there's just something. You know what it is? It's like, a, it, it, I don't know. It, it, radio, like in L'Amour. It, it, like if somebody's just not into it, really, what's the point? I mean, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, I guess a guy would go, well, cause, come on. And I mean, you know, it's just like it's just this. It really just becomes awkward and chafing for everybody. Uh, I, was, I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt listening to the show. I was thinking maybe she's nervous. Maybe she's just feeling out of her element. Not maybe nervous. she's one of those people that doesn't feel comfortable no. with people she's just met. And then when you asked her about how the experience was going, and she actually said, well, you know, a six. Yeah. Five. And I said, wow, she's not even going to, like, lie and say it's better. Spare my feelings. Be nice. Like, just for the sake of my ego, you know, like, um, I don't know, an eight. Yeah, no, no, no. And I forget what it was. I get, and really don't even bother to call. I don't care. But, uh, but it does seem like, didn't it seem like about five seconds into the whole thing, I asked her like a qualitative for a qualitative assessment on something like how's it going or what do you what do you think or what do you, what do you think of the show? And but it was like the first thing out of her mouth was insulting. Which fine, whatever. I'm just saying. I but it was really it was like the very first assessment of me or the show or whatever was like some sort of a. Uh, Clearly, like that, she was just not like this. Is she was not interested in our reindeer games? I just had the uh, nothing. So, all right. Well, in any event, what can you do? Hey, you know what? Uh, moving lesson learned. When lesson one lesson. You know what? Number I have they to carry over to my black Seriously, like, what I was gonna say. Like we knew it was gonna happen at some point. Yeah, we no, knew it. You know, we've been just... we've been lucky for so long. Really? We've been lucky for over a month. Like we were, it was going to happen. And I think, and it really, and uh, and two things. One, I have to clarify something I, I just said, and also, then I'll say one other thing. Then we'll probably break, and we'll come back, and we'll reset from all of this unpleasantness. We'll yep. talk to Don Taylor. What are you gonna be talking about today, by the way? Ah, uh, just a couple of DVDs that are coming out uh, today. Can you talk about the uh, the wrestler? Sure. Okay, because I didn't know if it's it doesn't really open here till Friday. I know it's up in some other places and whatever, but I well the thing is that uh, studios are really only fussy about embargoes if you say bad things. Ah, okay. It, you know, all and right. the thing is, you and you and I are only going to oh, say wonderful. We're on the same things. page. I think if you're pimping the movie and telling people to go, right. I think they'll they'll be okay with it. Uh, so I got two things to say. One. See now I'm oversensitive that I'm being snarky. So I didn't uh, when you when you were talking about how she she also writes for film.com and I said, "Well, you've got a lot in common." Uh, <laughs> I think my point was that the that it's just well, I, I think we might have actually mentioned this in the hallway that uh, when we I think in the beginning of the show we're like, "Hey, and later on, Don Taylor from film.com." And there was like this it wasn't like an interrogation, but there was this like when we went in the hallway to meet her and the vibe became almost immediately apparent. That's the thing. Like, that's that's the other thing I was going to say. So I'll work backward from the second observation of the first. I think, I know that there, maybe there was a little bit of a mix-up on the time, although Cheryl says no on that. Uh, but it, it, I feel like the vibe was almost immediately obvious to Sarah and myself. Like, just from, like, just from jump. It was just like, like the temperature of liquid helium. I mean, like, like from go. And at that point, I was like... Oh, God. And it's like when a movie is bad for the first five minutes, but you're thinking, like, maybe it becomes good. Maybe the third act is, but, but you know that's never the case. So as soon as, like, we were out there in the hallway talking to her, and I just got this, like, she hates me already, like, for reasons that probably I can't ever define. And from then, I just sensed, like, 
as as Clint Eastwood would say, Clint Eastwood would say, "You were just on this train without brakes, son." Uh, and so, but then she had heard us kind of forward promoting. We're like, "Hey, we're gonna talk to Jim Roof. We're gonna talk to uh, you know Katie Darrell. We're gonna talk to Don Taylor from Film dot com." And it was kind of like that whole, what what does the woman say in Titanic, where she's like, "Are you of the?" Are you of the Glan? Uh, you are you of the? Are you of the Gloucester Bucket? Uh, you know, like uh, whatever his name is. What's what, his last name? Jack, Jack uh, Dawson. Dawson. She's like, are you of the Gloucester Bucket Dawson's? And he goes, no, the Chippewa Falls Dawson's. Mm-hmm. Like it was because she's Don Taylor. Film doc. She writes for Film dot com. I don't think is she in the Seattle office. And I said, uh, no, I think she's. Uh, no, she just writes here. Well, what does she do? Um. Well, she does the DVD review. She does some of those. Oh, because because um, I write for the television. I've never. I don't think I've. I don't think I've heard of her. I was like, uh, okay, I, I'm going to end this conversation now. <laughs> it was. It really was a lot of like, uh, you know. Because obviously, if I was somebody, she would know me. See, that's that's the, the, really that's the thing. I mean, that was the vibe. Like right away. <laughs> That was the thing, which I don't. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, which I don't think is the case. I don't think that. I don't think that would happen anyway. But I mean, that was like the whole like, nine seventy. Is that an FM? Oh, it's on the AM dial. So nine ninety seven point zero, right? I used to know FM. I, I used to know. Is like AM this. stations? I didn't know they made AM radios anymore. I used to know a woman like this. Everyone really liked her. She had just excellent social skills. She was much loved. And I remember I told a friend of mine was just like, oh, I just can't stand her. It's like, well, why? Everybody loves her. Like, well, when I. Whenever I meet her, she says these things to me like, Don, oh, you look great. You are always so well-groomed. <laughs> wow. And he's like, well, what's wrong with that? I said, that's not a compliment. That's like that's like I'm some kind of an ape that managed to, like, you know, take a shower. Dog playing the piano. <laughs> like, well, you don't smell. That's, you know... You- you could, you could be doing worse, that is, is the, what uh, the implication there. What is it Joe Biden said? Oh, he's so articulate. Yeah, that was the, you know, it's just like, <laughs> oh, the, God. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's like the thing that, like, you listen, you go, no, like, you shouldn't, dude. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't, don't, don't say that. That's like when they, that's like when, uh, one of my favorite moments in music, in music documentaries, when they're asking, there's an interview with Dave Mustaine, who was, of course, kicked out of Metallica early on, right before they became famous, and he was replaced by Kirk Hammett. And Dave Mustaine, who was like the Steve Jobs of the metal world, you know, always kind of number two, but more style and panache than the number one at this point. Certainly more street cred. And they were talking to Dave Mustaine about did he have ill will with Kirk Hammett, the guy who replaced him in Metallica. And Dave Mustaine, with like the sort of smile and the sort of like, you know, like he, uh, like it, like he's, uh, you know, he really is just just a, such a bastard, but like in a really great sort of stylish way. And he says, he goes, he goes, no, no, no. I said I have, uh, he said I have no problem with Kirk Hammett. Uh, like Kirk does a really good job with the talent he has. <laughs> And you watch it go, yeah, for the win. Oh, All right. nice. So there you go. All right, well, let's take a break. We'll come back after this with uh, Don Taylor, uh, who I would say is probably the, the marquee reviewer at Film.com. <laughs> I would say that everyone else... Don who? <laughs> uh, are you the I should care about them, Taylors? I don't, I don't think I... No. Do they actually pay her, or does <laughs> she just sort of sweep up around the office? Uh, back after this is the Rick Everson Show. Don't go anywhere. Jesus. Code monkey, get up, get coffee. Code monkey, go to job. Code Monkey have boring meeting with boring manager Rob. Rob say Code Monkey very diligent. 
but his output stinks. His code not functional or elegant. What do code monkey think? Code monkey think maybe manager wanna write goddamn login page himself. Code monkey not say it out loud. Code monkey not crazy. Just proud. Code monkey likes speedos. Code monkey likes tabs and Mountain Dew. Code monkey very simple man. He have long walk back to cubicle. He sits down to hand to work. Code monkey not thinking. So straight, code monkey not feeling. So straight, code monkey like Fritos. Code monkey like Tab and Mountain Dew. Code monkey very simple man. Big warm fuzzy secret heart. Code monkey like you. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. 503 There you go, ladies and gentlemen. One, uh, Jonathan Colton. Uh, we should say, by the way, so Jonathan Colton uh, is going to be the Aladdin uh, a week from this coming Friday. He's going to be performing at the Aladdin uh, next Friday, the 24th, and he will be, and I, I had to break this to Don during the break. Uh, he will not be in the studio, sadly. He'll be on the phone with us this time. I'm I'm sad. I know. And well, you know, Kristen Bowie is the you know Kristen Bowie has um, a, a copy of uh, a Portal that she wanted him to sign because he does the Still Alive song from Portal. And she's like, and the last time, and the last time Jonathan Colton came to town, uh, and Jonathan Colton, of course, if you don't know who he is, you, you really you, you really ought to. Um, he does. I don't even know how to say. It. I mean, he just does all the. He's he he's this towering figure in the geek music community, and he started by. Quitting his day job, and he just decided to write and post one song every week, like forever. And after a while, it became clear that they all had this very sort of geeky and tech bent to them. And that's Code Monkey, which is one of his most famous songs, still alive from Portal. He did this song called Re Your Brains, which is about a zombie takeover of an office building, which is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, and so, um, and it was a Kristen was a huge fan, and she has, you know, she wanted him to autograph the thing, and she was stuck in traffic, she had car trouble. And she's like, when he comes back the next time, could you line? I'm like, ah, he's going to be on the phone. I'm so sorry. But uh, This is the first time I was actually going to, like, cash in my, uh, any of my, like, you know, I'm, your, your I'm an chips. insider chips. Yeah. Other than, like, you know, having Fat Boy in court, like, let me jump line at the midnight movies. That, yeah. Other than that, it's like, uh-huh. you know, that, this was it. Like, please, can I be here the day Jonathan Colton? Oh, he's not going to be no, here. I'm sorry. I have, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm able to pay you back only with warm thoughts. Don, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got nothing. So. All right. Well, in any event, uh, it's 503-733-2970. Before the end of today's show, though, I will try to give the context to... You're going to love my nuts. Right there. Which I realize now cannot possibly live up to all of the buildup that I've given it, but what are you going to do? Uh, uh, film.com's Don Taylor. So uh, so what is in the what is new in the world of DVDs? Um, well, uh, we're still in the January post-Christmas uh, slump, so things are a little bit slow. Uh, but you can run out today and pick up Appaloosa, if you like. the. Uh, what is that? Um, I never saw it. It's like Viggo Mortensen and a horse. And 
It's, I don't know. It sounds exciting. This sounds terrible. It's supposed to be really good. I should look down. this up on the email. I, um, also, Swing Vote, the Kevin Costner movie. Boy, they talk about a movie that just came and gone. It yeah. came and went in the blink of an eye. Uh, but there's uh, one, a couple of films that I found sort of interesting. One, um, you, we had talked a couple of weeks ago about comfort films, yes. movies that you watch over and yes. over and over again. And one of mine is being re-released today in a deluxe edition, Four Weddings and a Funeral. And uh, it uh, this will make you feel old. I love that movie. That movie came out in 94. Uh, that movie came out 14 years ago. Wow. Uh, and the last DVD release was in 1999, so this really is an upgrade. The it, bells and whistles. It's got uh, it's a brand new HD transfer. Uh, it's upgraded to Dolby 5.1 surround sound, and there are a bunch of extras. But the uh, main thing is there's also a new commentary track with director Mike Newell, writer uh, Richard Curtis, and the producer. And so, if you're a fan of Four Weddings and a Funeral and you want to get yourself a nice, bright, shiny, high def uh, transfer, uh, that's in source today. And I'm a fan of Richard Curtis. Richard Curtis and Ben uh, Elton, I think is his yes. name. Yeah, Blackadder. Yeah, I was good. See, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. There, that's, you see that you're our people. Don Taylor, you really are. I don't know who Christy Canyon is. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, the but, you know, Blackadder, and so, yeah, those guys were the, you know, the brain trust behind Blackadder, and then they've gone on to do, to do several films, uh, and they, they really do, those guys know how to do Sentiment without being cloying. And, yeah, and, and that actually was Richard Curtis's last. I film, think was so, and I think that was was that just by himself. Um, I don't think he directed it, but he did write it. Love Actually, by the way, I is think I could be wrong. Really, just one of the great films of our time, and I, uh, I think we had a discussion one time about the best romantic comedy ever, and I think I said there was, you know, there was really there was only two for me in that. There was there was Say Anything, and there was Love Actually, which is just almost its own film in its own category because it's just so ambitious and so great. So. And my love for Four Weddings and a Funeral is such that I have watched it maybe hundreds of times, even despite the fact that Andy McDowell is in it, who is one of the worst it, actresses in the history of cinema. And he has one of the most notorious, like, one of the worst lines in it, remember? When she goes up to him at the end, she's like, is it still raining? I didn't even oh, notice. God, oh, and it's so awful. And she's such a bad actress. Yeah. And, and yet this movie is so good. It, 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 You'll forgive that. You forgive mm-hmm. how awful she is. I don't know. Just and watch it like once a month. And she is <laughs> terrible, isn't she? She is. She's, I a, think she's a bad actress. Now that I think she about it, she has always been one of those actors who speaks her lines as if she memorized them phonetically. Right. Yeah. Like there's just no meaning behind them. Like you know, I learned all the words. Yeah, but she's not, she's not even good in Groundhog Day. Now that I no. think about it, no, she's you know, and you, that only survives on the strength of all the other characters. Yeah, she started out her career as a Calvin Klein model. Really? And uh, that has all the personality that might can, well, that then, might imply. Well, then famously, her first role was she was cast because of her looks in uh, that Tarzan movie with uh, Christopher. Dude, Lambert. yeah, Greystoke. And she was so bad that uh, they had um, was it Glenn Close? Uh, dub her lines. Really? Yeah, all of her dialogue is dubbed in Tarzan. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, see, now I want to go watch it just for that. Just so, like, when she opens her mouth, it's like somebody else's voice coming out. Yes. That's wonderful. See, that's 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 the kind of thing that I love to know. <laughs> Makes me feel a little bit better about myself. I also got another DVD out, uh, a movie that got terrible reviews. If you go on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, you'll find this is at 14%. Um, Mirrors, starring Kiefer Sutherland, another film that was in theaters for about 10 minutes and then disappeared, uh, which I actually think is not as terrible as the reviews would have you believe. It was directed by Alexandra Aja, Aha, however you pronounce his name, who directed High Tension, uh, the French film, Oh, Tension, or whatever it is, and the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, 
Kiefer Sutherland uh, basically playing another version of Jack Bauer, but he's a uh, disgraced, uh, down-on-his-luck New York City cop who, for money, has to take a job as a night uh, guard at a creepy, abandoned, uh, broken-down department store in the middle of New York City. And there are many mirrors throughout the building, and creepy things happen in the mirrors. It's based on a uh, North Korean horror film. Isn't that always the case, though, where it's like, you, and it always ends with, and it's based on a much better foreign <laughs> film. See, also The Vanishing, by the way, uh, another Kiefer Sutherland yes. vehicle that sucks, uh, that was based on a much better foreign film. But I actually, um, it, there's a lot of really creepy stuff in it. Uh, it's a visually an absolutely gorgeous movie. It's just got a really kind of a clunky screenplay. Yeah. It drags in places like there's the obligatory you know, discussions with his wife about why his life sucks so much right. and why he's such a loser. And uh, also, and I think part of the problem is that uh, the director and the screenwriter are both French, and they wrote the screenplay in English, which is their second language. That's always good. Shows. But there, that is an R-rated horror film, and I always applaud any horror films that are willing to go with the R rating. And there is some really creepy, rather brutal set pieces in it that are, uh, so I would never have, I would never have suggested anyone spend full price to go see this in a theater, but if you want to pick it up on Netflix and turn off the lights and watch it in your living room, there, there's some creepy, creepy stuff. And you know what, see, now I can get Netflix right on my Xbox, so there you go. There you go. So when I'm done, you know, shooting zombies in the face, I can uh, switch right over and then just, uh, you know, download the creep directly to my television. Oh, and one other really quick thing, uh, speaking of comfort movies, uh, Paramount has uh, released what they're calling the Centennial Collection, they're re-releasing catalog stuff. But there's a brand new uh, DVD of Bre Breakfast at Tiffany's. Really? And it's a two-disc set with a new digital transfer, uh, Dolby 5.1 surround, and uh, so if you and so it's got a two discs, so there's a, there's a whole bunch of extras and background stuff and featurettes. They're also releasing a uh, centennial collection, I think, of Funny Face today as well, except, weirdly, that's just a re-release of the 50th anniversary edition that they did, like, in 2005. No, that's the thing you got to watch out for, too, where it's like, you know, it, it's like it's sort of the uh, the Jimi Hendrix syndrome, where they just, you know, like, endless repackaging yes. of the same crap, you know, and this is the, no, this one's the ultimate collection, and, like, ultimate is pasted over the word, like, you know, anniversary or, you know, you yeah. know millennium collection. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. We turn around the corner. More from Don Taylor. Coming up at three, Tom Likas, Michael Mara show at 7 and coming up at 11 o'clock tonight, The Phil Henry Show. Stay there. Back after this. part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Like is at 3, Michael Mara show at 7, and Phil Henry, Henry, Henry at 11 o'clock uh, tonight. Phil Henry has rejoined the uh, AM 970 line. I'm sorry happy about that. Join us uh, tomorrow when our guests will include Dave Schmidtke, uh, as well as uh, Sarah's hot friend Kelsey. So there you go. Oh, yeah, Brett, we're having... That is tomorrow. She will be in. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. Uh... Yeah, okay. So, without further ado, I just, I've been playing this like a thousand times an hour. That you're going to love my nuts. Which is quite wonderful. So, I guess I should give some context to this, because otherwise, if I don't do it now, it's going to be like a, like a fifth day of just dragging it up. So, this is the new infomercial from the ShamWow guy. I called it. Did I not call it? Yes, you did. I did. You did. Yes. Uh, so, I don't have time to play all of it, but it's the slap chop 
And the slap chop is it's just one of those like chopping things that has like a plunger on the end of it. You know, and so you like it has like a little uh, plastic, whatever, like dome or you know whatever. And so you like put it over an onion and you go bum 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 and hit the back a bunch of times and it chops it up inside the little cylinder on the countertop. So uh, it's basically the chopomatic from the 60s. Exactly, but it's the slap chop. And so this just a fits with slap chop. You're gonna be in a great mood all day because you're gonna be slapping your troubles away with the slap chop. Now look, here's a potato. One slap, you got big chunks for stews. Two slaps, home fries in a second. And look at this. But you add a mushroom. Listen to the nut thing comes out of nowhere, by the way. You love salad. You hate making it. Take the stringy celery. Take the carrots. Salad. I love pizza too, but once in a while, get the veggies in. At least throw it on top of the pizza. This tuna looks boring. Stop having a boring tuna. Stop having a boring life. Here's a hard-boiled egg. One chop. You add the pickle. You add the green onions. And then what you can do, you can mix things together. You can add the ham. You don't have time to make breakfast. You're going to have an exciting life now. Breakfast to go. You're going to love my nuts. Watch this. You can do everything in the cover. It's so easy. One finger. Kids can do it. They're going to charge you a dollar for toppings at the ice cream stores. What about fruit? Put a mango. You spend $20 on toppings anyway. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful on your ice cream? It's so easy to clean. One. Two. And pops open the clean. Now these other ones, bacteria gets in the We're not even halfway done. Oh it's worthless. Forget about it. Now, take the slap chop. Tossing it over his shoulder skin. into the trash. There you go. These skin is the garlic. The onions with the skin. Waiting right, for the, uh, making you cry, you're making me cry. Money, the money line here. You don't want to cry anymore. The skin's at the bottom. Hey, look, if you want a little bit of onions, you don't want to drag out the food processor, the skin comes right off. We're going to make America skinny again. One slap at a time. When you buy the slap chop, we're going to give you the grady for cheese. White cheese, yellow cheese in the container. Comes with a twister. And watch this. Tacos, fettuccine, linguine, martini, bikini. Comes with two blades. Just bang it. It's just it's insane and it never ends. So we'll have wow. more we about that tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh, no. We're going to play the whole thing tomorrow. Wild. Psychotic. All right. Don Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. You're a good person. Thank we you love. for being oh, yes, thank you. you. Thank you for Wonderful being edition. you. I feel so loved. All right. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Steele and for AM Nights, David the Talker in the newsroom. <laughs> On the phones, uh, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, uh, CBS Radio Portland uh, marketing guru, Susan Donnelly-Murinol. Thank you to Don Taylor, Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, Katie Darrell, and more. Stay there. Uh, like us next. See you tomorrow. Bye now. You're going to love my nuts.